Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. All right, welcome everyone. We are on the Jeff Gross Podcast, and I am very excited to announce our guest today. It is a man that needs no introduction in the podcast world. We got Poppy Joey Ingram on the line. Joey, how's it going? What's up, Jeff? How's it going, brother? It's good, man. It's good. I'm, you know, this is something we've Wait, talked about live right now. This is your second time. Are, are we live right now? I hope so. I'm, I literally, I'm trying. There's a lot of stuff going on. I think we're live. We'll know in a second here. I got Vajran kind of overseeing what's going on. So if you notice any critical errors, let me know. But I am uh, definitely new in the podcast streets. And I know we have talked about, I think we originally spoke about doing a podcast or not even a podcast, just kind of like a reverse roles. I didn't really know what that would look like, but since got the podcast going, thought this was a good time for us to finally cash in on this, this conversation. So let's, uh, yeah, I, think, I think I can see it on, on right now. And it looks like it's set up differently where your Twitter is open right now. Oh, so I'm probably on. Okay. So I'm on, that's the wrong hockey. See, look at that. We're already off to a not perfect start, but that's all right. F4, F6. We're going to be using that. That is a hockey. I want to show your, there's a retweet as well. If you guys are joining and you want to get, get in on the mix, you can go to my yeah, Twitter. Now, now it's better. Now it looks good, brother. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go back, but I'm just going to show them here on the F six. If you guys want, you can get a question for Joey. We'll try to answer a few of those. I'm sure we're going to go a long time with what we have, but if you guys have a specific question, go ahead, get a chance to win. You, what do you call me, Joey? The retweet coffee hype man giveaway guy. You, get, you got some, you got some, uh, what do I call you? I say, I say that you're, you're the, the, the cocaine man, the white girl, white girl King over here, man. You're always hyped up. I mean, I'm always hyped up too. So people say that about me all the time. So it's not like, uh, you know, it's not, not something I don't, I haven't heard before a lot. Fair enough. No, I, I get it. I'll take it as a comment. People say that a lot, which is fine. I've actually, you know, we can talk about that whole avenue of things. I've never, I've never tried that. I've been to Burning Man. I've done some things. I'm not out here claim, claiming that I'm just like squeaky clean across the board, but I've never tried that. I can't even imagine being on that. So, you know, that's uh that's a whole nother subject, but let's, let's dive into it. Why don't we just get started on some questions here? So those of you that don't know, Joey, why don't we start some basics? Where are you from? And yeah, born and raised. What's uh what's give us the full rundown. Where did, where did it all begin? And these are these are these are old school questions right here. These are questions. Podcast one hundred and one, man. We're just this is our like basically our second podcast. Bear with me, man. Just come on, They're fight. Yeah. Where am I? Where am I from? And where am I born? I was I was born outside Chicago back in the day. And Chicago, in, uh, Joey. Yeah, Chicago, about forty five minutes south of Chicago. Okay. And uh, yeah, that was the question, right? Where was I born? Yep. Yeah, I was born outside Chicago. Yeah, I grew up outside Chicago. Moved to the Chicago. Moved downtown when I turned twenty one because I uh, I wanted to get the fuck out of where I grew up at. I wanted to find some opportunity. I wanted to meet new people because I grew up in the suburbs. So yeah, that's what I did. I got out of there as soon as I could basically and had no money and had a small bedroom I lived in with some, with some roommates down there. And that was the uh, progression for me. All right. And we're, we're going to keep it old, old, real old school here. Family, like brothers, sisters, only child. What's the, what's that situation? Oh man. I got, I have uh, two sisters and one little bro. My little bro is my guy. My sisters are, uh, my one sister is autistic. So I have an autistic sister. And then I have another sister who, um, you know, I don't know. She's a, she's a, she's she's in, she's a handful. Okay, and, and let me. What is what's the overall family support? I guess with poker, podcasting, the whole deal. Like, what's are they like? This is awesome. They tune into every show. Do they check in on you? Do they bro, support bro, you? Man, they're not they're not turning into any shows, man. No, they're no. I mean, maybe some of my family tunes in on the low on the creep or something like that. <laughs> but no, it's, it's basically me. It's me. It's me doing all the stuff. I mean, that's how it's been most of my. 
since I moved out the house and, and since my mom stopped paying my rent for me, that's how it's always been where I did everything myself. And, uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so, and so poker for you, when did it start? When did you, Joey Ingram, when did you start playing poker? Was it PLO from the get? Was it no limit for no, a while? How did that? No, I played, I played, I started playing at the casino when I was, I started playing on Bodog when I was like 19 or 20 and world series was on back in what 2000, um, maybe like seven, six, five, somewhere around there. And I would just lose all my money on that website. And I thought it was good. I try to run it up and then lose it all. And, you know, I couldn't pay my rent, which is $281 a month at the time. And then I started uh, going to the casino as well. When I turned 21 majestic star in Indiana, and I would go to work at TGI Fridays. I'd go to the casino I'd lose all my money. I'd come back home. I'd want to die, go back to the casino, lose all my money. And it did that for a while. Then I moved to Chicago and then I, we would take the bus or my friend Arnab would pick me up. We would go to the casino, lose all our money. We'd come back. Sometimes I'd sleep on his floor. And at some point we I found two plus two and I joined two plus two and started consuming some information on there. And then once I went to uh, Vegas with him, I won an O'Shea's tournament for $45. So I built my bank girl up from $45 to $300, something like that. And then I ran that up to a thousand dollars. Then I came back home and started playing on poker stars back in what, 2008. Shout out to and poker then, stars. Yeah. Shout out to poker stars. And then I, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I, I just basically quit my job. I made like another thousand dollars online. I quit my job and, um, that was it. All right. So fair enough. And then you, you got it going there and that was it. Was it like you for the dream story? So, I mean, you didn't take $50 turn into a million or whatever, but you did, you, after that role, once you got it up from your tournament bank, which was two card, right? Two card, the game of uh, No Limit Hold'em. I, I never played tournaments, no. But I'm what, saying, no, tournament, that was the only tournament I've ever played, yeah. It's yeah. okay. So you, but you took that money up. You got a little bit of a roll going. Has it been like you've never looked back from that that point? Have you been gone broke several times? Or was that like you got your role, oh you God. got your foundation? Or? Holy fuck, no. I mean, I've, like, I've had super, I've had the most ridiculous, anyone that's like read my blog on Liquid Poker over the years knows that I've always had very, very ridiculous swings. I've always been... Uh, I've always been very comfortable not having much money. So I always took a lot of shots and I always tried to move up to as high stakes as I could. And I think within a year of starting to play online poker, I was already playing mid stakes and taking shots at mid stakes because I, I got up to 50 cent dollar. I started at five cent, 10 cent. And I played over one or 2 million hands in pretty much like the first year I played and did a big profit at that time. And then I started playing five ten, maybe within um, less than a year. But it's like a year later, I was playing five ten online. And then obviously I didn't win. So I moved back down and I kept moving up from 50 cent dollar to 510. Sometimes I shot take 10, 20, go up, move back down. And then later that year, I did another record where I played the 50,000 hands in a day. So then right after I did that, I started playing higher stakes again too. And it'd always be this big progression where I would go from 50 cent dollar, 20 to 50 cent full ring, try to play higher stakes. And every time my shot took, I would always 24 table for some reason. I was a fucking idiot. About That's it. crazy. I, I remember so, doing like 12 tables and it yeah. was like, it was just like, it was psychotic. I don't think I even, it was like barely playing, you know, I was just like, you're just like playing the situations. But was that, uh, you said that, I'm sorry, that was at that point, that was no limit hold'em or is all PLO? Yeah. I only, I switched to PLO briefly at the end of 2010 to get supernova elite. Okay. And then 2011 at the end, I switched to PLO again to get supernova lead again. And then after that, I basically just was full-time PLO since the end of 2011. So how many tables could you play on PLO at like multi-tabling? That's I'm obviously I, I, not 24. I always 24 tables. 24 table PLO. I would think it would be much harder than no limit, but maybe not because the action's slower or. No, it's a lot harder for sure. I, I don't know how I, it obviously wasn't optimal to do it, but I basically 24 table no limit hold them every single day from 2008 to the end of 2010. 
So I had a lot of experience playing. I played millions of hands of Hold'em. And then once I started playing PLO, it just made sense because I needed to get Supernova Elite and you accrued, you accrued the points for the, the frequent player points by playing a lot more tables and raking more money. Shout out the more rake is better. So yeah, that's basically, I mean, more rake <laughs> was better at PLO for me and that <laughs> helped me get Supernova Elite easier. So it worked out perfectly at that time. And uh, I was not profitable at the tables when I first switched over, but I, I didn't become profitable playing uh, 24 tables at some point in time. That's uh, true. Yeah. Fair enough. All right, we got Landon Tice in the chat saying this is all in his book, by the way. So for those of you that don't know, could you talk about that? What is what you had a your book? Um... Yeah, I had a profit. I wrote a book. I've marketed the book as awful as most poker companies market their own products out here right now. But I wrote a book called Chasing the Poker Dream, the qualities of a successful poker player, which sort of broke down and talked about a lot of different qualities and characteristics and traits and applicable things that apply to a poker player, which separates the great poker players that play the high stakes online cash games from the mid stakes players who are still good on their own right, but aren't great players. And just sort of talked about the differences in levels and sort of what those players possess through my own experience and through talking with, I don't know, 50 to hundred different poker players that I'm friends with over time. Very interesting. So is that book still, can you, where can people find that if they want to? Yeah, it's on Amazon. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of the greatest books I've ever written personally. But it was very uh, hastily put together for a prop bet. And I basically grinded out the book. And it was, uh, I mean, I think writing shows you a lot about who you are as a person. And you, it gives you a chance to really dive deep down into your sort of subconscious thoughts and your subconscious ideas that you have. And you're able to sort of manifest those thoughts and ideas that you never actually think about actively and put them into paper. So that was a big thing that happened to me with that book was I just tapped into some sick zone. And yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. I, I am. I have not read it. I will read it. I'm going to buy it. I will buy that book. I actually, to be honest, like uh, it's one of those things like Joey, I know, you know, we, we've kept in touch over the years. We've done some stuff on, um, was it poker go? We, we've kind of crossed paths a little, but I don't, it's like, I'm sure you understand from your perspective, you do so much content, you know, you have so much stuff you're doing all the time. It's hard to keep up on some people you even, you admire, think are interesting because it's hard enough to even stay above water, just doing your own stuff, you know, getting the socials out, lining up the interviews it's a lot of work i think a lot of people don't appreciate how much time goes in it's not just like oh i'm going live you know you have to set up you have to prep you have to do some research you talk to them you organize and all that how do you find it is to to balance kind of real life and just be, and not even that just like how much time does it take you like yeah do, is that something you think people would you agree with that people don't understand how much work goes into the content side of everything I, mean, I pretty much dedicate a lot of my life energy to content what I've done to poker in general, you know, in terms of like life balance, I've never really been big in life balance for the most part. <laughs> and that, yeah. That's something I'm trying to get better at as I get older and I start to figure out what exactly success means to me. And do I want to be successful? Do I want to make money? Do I want to have friends? Do I want to be famous? Do I want to travel the world? What do, what do I want to be, have a wife? Do like, what do I exactly do I want? And these are questions I never really asked myself previous to this year for the most part. So that's sort of what I'm trying to figure out right now is, do I want my life to be content? Do I want it to be media? Do I want it to be poker? Do I want it to be a more of a balance sort of thing like that? But I think right now where I stand is that I'm pretty happy with, with just sort of diving into all the content out there and, and really embracing myself in that and in poker. So yeah, I mean, it, it takes a lot of energy and work and it's as much energy or work as you want to put into it. The more focus you put on there, the, the better your stuff's going to be and the more in tune you're going to be especially when you talk with guests and you do a podcast like that, the more knowledge you have, the better you're going to be at doing the podcast. Absolutely. So is that, 
something someone they're saying make you louder which i actually don't know how to do that uh someone yeah, just uh, in, the, in the hangout section go to the toolbox uh so basically put your mouse over the over the, the hangout room and then go to control room to the left hand side and then on control room two things will pop up on the right hand side and then just drag up the audio on mine just maybe like um uh, a little less than halfway all right so i see the hangouts and you said it's on the left side yeah control room it's gonna be on the left hand side it's like on the left there's um the chat, there's screen share, there's showcase, Q&A, and then there's a control room. I see cameraman. I don't see control room or I don't, I see like a little, uh, little, uh, two bar thing, kind of thing like that. All right. I'm trying to see, man. I feel like we're hitting the flow right now. And I'm, I just add people are in the chat. They want, you know, they got to hear you. What's up, ghost to M. What's up boys. Yeah. We're going to try to get this audio fixed. I see a Vajran, uh, is on my computer. Um, okay. So I guess let me, we'll, we'll work on that. I'm going to have, I think Vadrian can get on here and do that, but uh, let me ask you one thing you, you've kind of touched on. You feel like poker players in general, maybe aren't marketed well or companies and, po- you know, there's a big, obviously party poker has been pressing on the, some of the huge uh, online events. They've been doing special marketing. Poker star has been the industry leader, you know, has been, there's other sites, 888. There's some other, it seems like poker is growing a bit, but what would you say? Like, I've heard you mention touch on that a lot. You think that they don't do a good job marketing events. They don't do a good job marketing players. No, no, they do an awful, they do an awful job marketing. Yeah, for sure. So like what, what would be, I guess, so that with that being said, what would you suggest if you're running one of these major companies, what would be something like, how how could you maybe suggest, or what would be your, you know, and obviously it's not necessarily so simple. There's a lot of different levels to all that. I'm sure they want to do a better job. They hear feedback, they try to adjust stuff, but what would be some of your immediate, like, what would you do differently for both of those, those areas? I mean, there's, that's like a pretty general question for the most part. There's, there's things from a personal player standpoint, there's things from a company standpoint, there's things from um, a media standpoint that can only be done by like a poker news site or like ESPN or something like that. So I guess it kind of depends on, on which company you're talking about and which perspective you're talking about, because I think that right now the websites do a awful job of promoting their, their players for the most part. I think poker stars does an okay job, but party does a really bad job. 888 Poker does a really bad job. And they try to create some content, but they just don't know how to get their content and create content that people actually give a fuck about. So I think Poker Stars, we've kind of seen they do some things, but I think it's embarrassing that that Poker Stars has somebody like a like a like a Lex Feldhaus in a lot of ways. And previous to this year, they just they don't even like they don't do anything extra to get this guy out there. This guy could be someone who's one of the biggest esports stars in the entire world a tremendous personality, a legend of the game, an incredibly hard worker, but there's nothing there's no like, Hey, may we send a guy out there. We get Lex in some mainstream magazines. We get Lex in some mainstream stuff. We get Lex in some mainstream podcast. We help get Lex out there because we, I know, I know the people who work at poker stars who deal with the celebrities and who deal with these people. They're very connected people. All right. These people have all the opportunities and people will do things for them because they want things from them too. So I think it starts with a lot of those sites where the sites have to get the players out there. And that's just one aspect of it. Even like you, even like yourself, somebody who's consistently grinding, consistently working, very outgoing personality, someone who could be more well-known on some type of level if there were other professionals who are used to marketing players, who are used to being better at storytelling than we're going to be as content creators individually. Like the actual professionals that poker stars can hire, they made $900 million in rake this year. So I'm pretty sure they could go find someone out there to do that. And that's just poker stars. That's also applicable to party poker. That's also applicable to 888 poker. So from the website standpoint, there's that. And then also from the 
poker central side of things, there's, well, we create this high quality content, but we have absolutely no idea how to distribute it in 2018 to actually get people to pay attention to it and to draw people into it. So I think that starts with having a relationship with the other blogger sites out there, like the, the Barstool Sports, like Bleach Report. You establish relationships with the other people who aggregate content and who showcase these moments in sports and in poker. And I just don't see anything like that really happening, taking place. There's everyone's so individualistic where nobody wants to work together in poker. The media companies are all feuding with each other. The poker sites all feud with each other. The sponsor players are friendly, but kind of don't fuck with each other because they're sponsored by different companies. So there's not much promotion and support amongst the community itself and amongst the companies that work in poker as well, too. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's well said on most fronts. Uh, I, I would actually, well, it's well said. I should say I agree with a lot of that. You know, for me being sponsored by PokerStars, I, I, I feel they do a, a pretty good job in a lot of those areas. I do agree there's ways they could maybe go do more things um, right, or yeah, promote. Right. I'm not saying they don't do a, they, they, okay, once in a while, sure, but this is, this is a, a, a billion dollar company. You know what I'm saying? This isn't like, a, you know, they're not fucking ACR, America's Cardroom. So, I mean, and we could debate ACR might do a better job marketing their players than almost any site out there, even though they're corrupt. So, there's right, they do an okay job once in a while, a good uh, job once in a while, but there's so much more they could be doing and so many more opportunities and exposure that people could be getting. And I, I don't believe that they can't because you have to understand people, companies are going to want to help poker stars out because they're poker stars. They right. do something for you, you would do something for them. They have every incentive to say, do them a favor if it's, well, who's interested in, in a poker player? Yeah, well, I, they're interested in helping poker stars out because I, poker stars is a global leader in gaming. I agree. I think though, I also do believe there's sort of a new, uh, what's the word, atmosphere, new um, sort of vibe around poker and game. I mean, you see in the, U the gaming right now, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with the US legislation passing on a federal level, sports betting. I know Stars partnered with 12 you know, El Dorado, they're, they're in 12 different states now. The Pennsylvania's coming. I think it'll be interesting to see if poker does come back on, if there'll be another bo uh, boom and what's going to happen. Know, and You don't, you don't, don't you, yeah, that, that kind of thing. From studying legislation, I don't see it. I think the American companies, WorldSeriesPoker.com itself is one of the worst marketed poker companies I've ever seen in my entire life. So I don't have much faith in, in I mean, it's going to take these people that work at these sites, Jeff, you have to understand that they don't give a fuck, man. Like yeah. why they've been around poker for so long. The the ceiling to where poker was 10 years ago is nowhere near where it is now. So these companies, they do not, they, it's not their priority to market WorldSeriesPoker.com. The guy in charge, we could debate if he's ever played poker, if he's played poker anytime recently, if he's logged on this actual site, it's the guy in charge of the site. Once again, we go back to the ACR, at least Phil Nagy's logging on the site on a daily basis. I, I want to touch on this because obviously I'm, there's, there's, yeah, you, we got to talk, about we got to talk sure. about it. I, I mean, we have to, again, I'm, I'm stars for life. I love poker stars and I believe in it. I'll defend a lot of, you know, if you, there's definitely stuff. No sites. Perfect. I'd say people have messed up different things. There's, I see Griffin asking, can you have him talk about ACR Jeff? Cause the people in the U S here, I mean, obviously U S poker, there's not a lot of options and right. you, you know, the people, there's only a couple that people really even would consider playing on. And I know you've done some research and due diligence. I also, I just want to give my two cents before you dive in. I have been down there before, after, you know, I've, I've seen, I know Phil personally. I don't know if you've ever met him or know him, but you know, I, what, I just want to let you say your piece. I have my, I have my take on it too. I don't want to get and make this yeah, about ACR debates, I but is, I think this is not a, a good, a, a smart, like you talk with Phil. So all of a sudden it's like, 
oh, okay, I'm going to promote the site. You know, I've talked with Philip Bunch too. Yeah. I don't trust the fucking word the guy says to me. Right. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I went down there and like he paid me money to go to his event. He offered me money plenty of times. He's paid me money before. Right, right. No, and that's not that's not the debate. I'm not saying, of course, like right. that site site sponsor pay people are you yeah. in the games in terms of seeing what these these site right this site refunded players tens of thousands of dollars only because I made the videos. Whether um, the, the the problems got to their attention or not, I don't know from the videos or not if they, if they maybe knew and they decided to act, but they refunded tens of thousands of dollars to the poker players because of the videos I made earlier this year. These were problems that existed on the site, some of them for years. The tournament loophole existed for years. And if you want to talk the bot situation that they banned, these bots played over a million hands at five cent, 10 cent were the biggest winners on the site. And now these bots on the site still exist. There's collusion still existing on the site. The policing on the site is non-existent. So I could go down there and have a great conversation with the guy, but it's not going to change the fact that they have no way to properly police or secure the cash games on there. Now, if we, when we can go to tournaments and we can go to sit and goes and say, well, are the bots overtaking the heads up sit and goes? Are the bots rampant at sit and goes? For my research, yes, they are. Do I have any reason to believe that that is going to be put a stop to? No. Do I believe there is some very weird stuff happening in terms of who creates the software, the company that creates the software, the poker king of the main? It's just the, the, the intertwinings of the company, how it works out. And I've been, I've gone easy on the guy. I haven't really talked about it much yeah. since then. It is what it is. I put my piece out there. I'm trying not to focus on these negative aspects of what happens out there in the poker world. But when I do see people promote this site, like, oh, I went, I, I talked with Phil Nagy or some shit like that because he paid me money. You're not seeing what's happening in the cash games. This is an awful, awful, awful place to play cash games. You are not going to win. If you log on that site by any reason and play cash games, you're not going to win on there. Maybe tournaments you can win because there's still a lot of bad players that play those games. Yeah. I mean, I, I, well, I think, in, I think in general, online that the consent like i mean i again i'm a tournament guy tournament guy online i haven't played cash since whatever long long right. before black friday online just in general um you know the tournaments seem good everywhere but um i hear what you're saying i just you know again i it i think that's a very valid point it's a I'm talk to you, okay i like you a lot you're you're someone i consider my friend but i'm not i'm not fucking with anyone that sports acr for the yeah. most part like i i've already said that in the past if you're if you're riding for ACR, you're not riding for the American poker players. Okay. Well, I think I'm really to bring it to bring the American poker players. To bring it that's what they are. To bring it to the to the question. So if if someone's asking for US poker, what do you think is the best options for, for poker well, players in the US? Not, there's not many. It's that that's the sad state of things right now is the legal options are not very good. In a Nevada specifically, they're a better option, I think, than most sites. But in terms of global poker, in terms of ignition, in terms of PP poker, in terms of the Chinese app sites. I mean, your best bet's probably to gamble it up on a PP poker club with hopefully somebody that's going to be reputable and not going to steal your money or scam you or, or close down the club. And then the club takes your money because in terms of soft games and in terms of at least like moderately okay rake, that's probably your best option. But global poker, I think, is another okay option. I haven't done enough research to. to and I think what it is for me right now, Jeff, is that I don't want to recommend a company that I don't that I don't really say, okay, I've looked into this. I feel like it's legitimate. So with global poker, it seems like a good option. On Ignition, I've won a ton of money on the site, so it's easy to recommend that site, but I'm sure there's some things going on there. But I think those sites are infinitely better of an option than America's Card Room for cash games. But for tournaments, it's obviously a different story in that ACR has the biggest guarantees and the biggest fields and those sorts of things like that. So they do offer some value for the consumer out there, but yeah. you have to overcome a lot of things. Yeah, I, I think when you talk about... Um, uh, yeah. 
online cash games now it's just i mean it's clear in general online poker if you're playing cash games it's a lot easier like when you play tournaments you you take away a lot of the the variables with like possible collusion all that i mean anything's stuff happens people are going to be dishonest and things can go down but you know at the end of the day like obviously the the multi-table tournament sector is is uh there's less of that you have to worry about no matter what site or platform or however so uh i guess i would ask you how now how much are you playing um my understanding watching or keep follow along with you you're playing i guess some live stuff are you playing how much less poker are you playing now than in your prime and how much has like what percent are you doing content versus uh playing yeah infinitely less poker online for sure i just i mean if you when you really look at these companies and look who's in charge of, of policing the games and who's it does it make sense to me for myself personally to continue developing my poker ability and to keep pursuing a, a higher level of poker playing, which is how I've always approached poker. I've always tried to get better and better and better and better. It doesn't make sense for me to continue to put my energy into that versus continuing to put my energy into learning about marketing, learning about building a business, learning about marketing the game of poker itself, or learning about marketing players or creating different types of content. So for me, I play online and I like live poker, but I love playing online poker. And right now, there are still plenty of sites that you can make a bunch of money on, but there's so much hoops that you have to go through. And whether that's still going to be a viable option in a couple of years, I just don't know if that's going to be true. So the reason I played so much online poker recently in the past bunch of years is because I had faith that American poker would come back. So I wanted to stay at a high level, but I don't have faith in that happening anytime soon. And even if it does happen, I mean, there's going to have to be different people in charge or there's going to have to be more incentive for the amount of money they can make for them to actually start caring about poker more than other things. So I think right now my stress levels and my emotional levels and my ability to, to sort of live life is much better off pursuing other things outside of online cash games. So that's sort of where I stand with things right now. And I still play a bunch on different app sites, sites that you don't necessarily have to log into with any, you can just log into a browser, but yeah, that's where most of my play is right now. And just hearing you say about the state, you know, obviously you're a specialist in content. You've done a lot of it. You have, let me just go over, let me hockey you right into the F6. We got the, uh, the YouTube channel. You've got, you know, obviously one of the, the bigger YouTube channels for poker. You do also, you know, Instagram, you keep up a, uh, stories, you keep up a lot of content on there. So you got a successful Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all that jazz. So you do that and you seem to have a pretty good understanding about the industry, what it lacks. Do you think, let's say one of these major sites came to you or a, not necessarily one of the, you know, poker stars or some of the other sites, if they came to you and said, Joey, recognize what you do or poker news or one of these sites, we love what you're doing. We want you to kind of manage, help us like it came exactly what you were looking to improve the industry. Is that something you would be open to kind of hopping in and, and collaborating with, or are you sort of just rogue solo? Or is that something, if you thought you could make a difference and were presented the opportunity, would that be something that would interest you to come on board and try to help grow the players and uh, platforms? Yeah, it really depends on the site, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't know which site it would be that I would say I'd be open to. It kind of depends on what exactly the, the, the structure was like and what kind of support I had from people that worked at the company as well too. But certainly something I would be open to talk to. And I've been approached by companies in the past and varying different capacities, but never in sort of something like this. And this is all sort of new thoughts that I've been developing this year as I've been researching more. And once I really stepped outside of poker and saw how content was done, especially in MMA, I just couldn't believe how much better marketed and how much better the media was in something like MMA compared to poker. And I understand why it is like it is because the value and the opportunity is not the same as it once was. And a lot of these people that are in the poker world, players and media and industry workers, 
were around when it was booming and they saw so much opportunity. And they look around now and they don't see that direct opportunity to these ideas and these, these things that people can do. So they have to actually look outside the box and be creative when it comes to finding these things. And a lot of these people just don't fucking give a fuck. They don't want to. They're tired. They don't see the incentive to care about poker players anymore or to care about poker. I think a lot of these people view poker players as entitled, divas, spoiled, fucking degenerates, all this sort of thing like that. So, I mean, and I know this because I speak to a lot of people that work in media and that work in the industry and that work for companies. So I'm not just basing this off of just random theories that I have in my mind. I'm basing this off of plenty of conversations I've had with people. And I don't meet anyone, Jeff. I don't meet anyone that is working in these sort of realms. For the, I can't really remember any time recent where I've had a conversation with someone who was like, yeah, I'm fucking really excited to be doing what I'm doing right now with poker. Maybe my boy, Ryan Feldman from Live at the Bike, he's probably one of the only people. But almost everyone, for the most part across the board, is not necessarily feeling that way. And it's because they've been around for a long time and it's just, they don't have any natural progression to improve. So they have nowhere to go. When you have nowhere to go and nowhere to improve and you don't see any path for improvement or any inspiration for someone to look at and say, I want to improve, you're of course going to feel down a little bit. And I think that's what's happening right now with a lot of people in poker. And I'm looking to at least provide some inspiration out there for the way that I hold myself and the way that I operate in terms of work ethic and content and, and putting myself out there with, with trying to help grow the game and grow the players. And, um, but I would, know, we'll I'd put you on that list, that short list. I think Feldman, I don't know him as well, but I would definitely, I agree. Like he seems like that. I would like to throw self-nominate myself. I, I try to keep it very positive and upbeat. And I definitely love, I, you know, for me, I love the game. I love poker. Yeah. I love what it represents. Like, you know, for me, it's like, I, I would, I would imagine you feel the same way. Like poker is sort of a metaphor in life to me. It really is like a lot of the, the skills, the friendships, the people I've met directly, indirectly from poker is, is valuable and important to me. So no, I think I, I always, what I hear you saying and how I definitely feel is poker. I'm not suggesting to someone, I would never say quit your job, become a poker player. It's the greatest thing ever. There's a lot of, especially now, right? It's different than 10, 15 years ago, buried entry. You know, if you're starting from, from zero ground zero learning, it's tough. It's got games gotten harder, but I think you can poker something you can work at, you can improve at, whether it's a home game once a week or it's fun or it's a hobby, like to say it's not a hobby, but you know, it's like whatever that is, I think you can improve at it and and sort of just like take valuable skills and apply it to real life. So I think you know, that's the same thing. I want to advocate it. I want to promote it. I want to, I want to make it put poker in a positive light. I think there's a lot of really good people in poker. There's definitely some, some negative people. And, you know, even in the tournament scene, it's heavy. You can feel some of the energy. Sometimes it's sort of dark and people get, you know, there, there's definitely like a negative connotations that it gets, get associated with poker and that's sort of what i want to do is committed to like put in a positive light have fun be happy don't it has, find other supplemental incomes where you're you know you're not just poker's everything i think that helps a lot and you know i just want to provide the same message so i, I would add you that list and you know i think you do a great job and um definitely from the same camp so i i think it's i think it's um you know two things that you said you said you you, you think that you care about poker and i think that's obvious and the reason it's obvious is because you're successful at what you do Live at the bike, very successful at what they do. So I think it's, it's, you can tell who loves poker by if they're constantly getting after it and having success at what they do. For the most part, they probably like poker and they probably like poker at a high degree. And you mentioned that you want to showcase poker in a positive light and, and talk about it in that aspect. And I think it's, I mean, I don't want to, I think a lot of people out there just completely disregard the potential negatives that go out there or the negatives that are happening and these sorts of things like that. And I don't want to paint an unrealistic picture of what it is and say, Hey, if you want to do this, do that, like, this is what it's like. 
no, I'm going to try to be honest with people and say, okay, there is a lot of negativity you're going to deal with. And it is stressful as fuck. And it's really fucking hard to be a long-term consistent winner and be a great poker player and make a good amount of money for yourself because it's ups and downs and it takes an obsession and a belief in yourself and an overcoming fucking failures and, and dealing with just the emotional turmoil of ups and downs and questioning whether you're good enough or whether you're not good enough or whether you have what it takes or whether you want to keep sacrificing for this fucking game. And it's not easy to do on a professional level at all. So I understand why there's so much negativity amongst people at tournaments is because these guys are not winning money long-term. They're living tournament to tournament. They're living markup to markup. They're, they're score to score. So how can you possibly be super happy when you manage yourself that way? So I think that's more prevalent in tournaments than it is in cash games. There are certainly cash game players I know who are staked, and this is how they live. They live paycheck to paycheck. They live score to score, scam to scam. That's what they do, and that's how they operate. So I think there is a lot of positivity out there going on with the game in terms of what it can teach you, the lifestyle it can give you, the amount of money it can help you make, the people that you can meet, the opportunity it can give you, provided you're willing to get after it, and the fun you can have. But at the same time, try to keep people realistic about the other side of things too, which aren't always very positive. Yeah, no, it's a good point. It's definitely, definitely prevalent in the game and there's a lot of that. And I think that's uh, those that really do love the game, it it shows, but those that are kind of not in it for the, if they're in it just for the the money, uh, I think it's, it's definitely tough. And you kind of do see people, there's not the longevity, there's not so many players that are around 10, 15, 20 years, or I guess, I mean, that's sort of when it started getting on TV, 2003 and such, but from the people that were on yeah. playing online and now, you know, there's not like, there's not like an overwhelming amount of the same people. I mean, you see some of the same ones that are around or doing it, but you know, the, like balance is key too. I think that those that play less, like you get burnt out, just like on Twitch or YouTube, like if you stream every day, if you do podcasts every day, you know, it can become from you love it to maybe it's a little boring. I think having that balance is, yeah. is key for sure. And, uh, you know, that, that's definitely important. Let me, uh, let's go to the next thing here and uh, just kind of random, but thoughts on short deck. I guess it's, you know, different than No Limit Hold'em. It's got, I know you've done some commentary analysis on some big, big games. It seems exciting. Do you, do you feel that could kind of take over? For a while, it seemed like Pilum and Omaha was going to no, be the new game. No. Short deck, does that have a future? And a sh- no. Sh- not really? No, no, I don't think so. I don't think it'll ever, it'll be a niche game similar to PLO. I don't ever see it catching on in terms of it being a popular option, maybe at the higher stakes and maybe some random games here and there at lower stakes. But if it does overtake Nolan and Holden, it, it won't be for many, many, many years. And it will take many ambassadors to put the game out there on a continued basis. Now, if Lex Feldhaus became a full-time short deck player, well, then maybe. But without that, I don't think, you know, it, it's just going to be a novelty for the most part, I believe. For sure. All right. Um, so what, uh, so current state of poker, we kind of touched on it. You do feel it's not, you know, it, it needs some a shot of life. Do you feel like even with all the U S information and stuff happening in the U S it's still not. I, mean, I, I kind of go on that. You know, I think there, there's a lot of good things happening out there. I think poker central is on the up and up. They put out super, super high quality content and they have some smart people over there. We're still learning about the poker industry, but I feel like have a lot of potential, but for very much, it, it might not be very soon. So I think Live at the Bike, tremendous as well. I think poker stars are fucking geniuses. They're doing some great things. They're going to keep growing their brand globally to become one of the biggest companies in the entire world to me. And that's always going to be good for poker in terms of them helping to get that name out there and to at least keep poker on the front of people's minds. And Jason Somerville, another great person on a personal level who's working really hard to continue to grow poker out there, to create these tournaments, to collaborate with casinos. 
So I do think there are a lot of really bright spots that are happening in poker too. But in terms of, I just feel like the game itself is so good and so much fun and people love it that it could be just done better at this point in time. And we've seen what's possible in the past and we can argue the reasons why that's not possible. But if we're not trying, then what do we expect to change? And I think that's the standpoint I stand where it's at. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to Jason and the Run It Up team because, I mean, right now, I think one of the big things that's going on is doing the broadcasting, like having opportunities where just now I was just in Vegas and I was, I got to do one of the days where we were broadcasting basically live. I mean, it was on a delay, but they were broadcasting an event from Australia in Sydney from Vegas with broadcasters. And then you had Finton, you know, easy with aces pop on and take over part of the broadcasting from, you know, London. So you, when you have this type of live sort of Twitch content, YouTube, all this type of stuff, this creation, you know, I think it's huge. And that that's like the kind of stuff that I think we are seeing a resurgence in some ways, not saying, you know, who knows, maybe poker would have almost died without Twitch or this other stuff. It's hard to say without your date, you know, YouTube content, uh, other, other creators such as Doug Polk. I just, I want to say that as well. Like Doug Polk, I remember when I started doing my YouTube vlogs and I think it was 2017 at, in the summer, I was at the table. I had my YouTube vlog camera out. I had just started literally like my first couple like vlogs. A guy at my table was like, Hey man, he was like, that's cool. What is, you know, who are you? What are you doing? And I was like, you know, I'm starting to vlog. He's like, man, you know, that's crazy. He's like, the reason I'm here is because of Doug Polk because I, he was like, I love that guy. He's like, I used to play poker. I took off three years and this was like a 1500 WSOP event. And they, this guy was literally said he was in Vegas playing in the summer because of Doug Polk's content, which you oh, know, yeah. Doug Polk's polarizing, love him, hate him, whatever. Right. Like he's put out a lot of content for poker. So he, you know, you can like, no news is bad news. Like whether you, again, he, you know, he maybe pushes the envelope that I know that's your role, dog. That's your guy. I like Doug. Doug's been very nice to me in many ways. He's taken some shots, which on, on random shots, but that's, you know, I, that's who he is. Very I, random. I, very random. That, that whole thing. I actually was curious about that. It's all good though. I don't, I, I think it's funny, but like the legitimately, like, that's what I'm saying. That kind of stuff's good for poker. Like that's the type of stuff that poker needs. And I think these sites and news and poker stars, other big sites, they're realizing that's what drives. It doesn't matter. You could have the, the guy sponsor your site who's the best, like, you know, super high rollerball champion, won this and that, but like they ultimately what's going to drive and create and help the game's longevity is people that are actively promoting the game in a positive light, doing content, right. getting the word out there versus someone who's like, you know, in their a dungeon in the basement, who's a great poker player. That, that was the deal. 10 years ago, five years ago, guys were getting deals to be great at poker, but really the, the players want to relate with those playing one, two or fight. You know, there's guys, Matt Staples, you know, other players are play, Kevin Martin, $20, $30, tournaments online, getting two, 3000 viewers at a time. It doesn't really matter if they're playing a $500 buy-in or a $30 buy-in. People want to be entertained, want to be intrigued, engaged and grow together. So I think that's uh, you know kind of a long winded response, but I, I definitely feel that that's sort of the area where it's going. And I think um, it's underrated how much, that kind of content can go and how, how long away it can 100%, go. 100% agree. The, the, the person on a personal level, those are the, those are the people that are ultimately going to drive things. And you can be marketed as an anonymous poker player to some extent, but you have to want to put yourself out there in a lot of ways too. So yeah, I agree that, you know, Doug Polk, very special human being in terms of he's a genius. He's incredible work ethic, very consistent and very, very intelligent and creative. So yeah, I mean, well, we're not going to see Doug anymore in poker. So is that, you know, is that, important. is that for sure? We lost Doug or. Oh man, too much toxicity in poker for, for Doug. And obviously we could argue that he creates some of that himself and he put himself in that position. And maybe he didn't anticipate the level of toxicity that he received for the stances that he took on certain individuals, but uh, that's it. I don't think he's coming back. So I don't blame him. I probably wouldn't suggest he comes back either.
Is that, is that actually, is that true? Like he legitimately said he's basically not been doing hands or anything. I know like he built yeah, up that, yeah. you, that crypto channel, like took, got huge so fast. Obviously crypto, not a, not a great time at the moment. I, you know, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother rabbit hole. Uh, be curious on your like, you know, elevator pitch if you like it or not on crypto currently. But um, yeah, is that, I mean, are we, we yeah, I think Doug's super valuable for poker. So I hope that's not the case, but you know, maybe he's just taking a, a breather, but you would know why, better. Why would he stay, Jeff? I, you tell me if he believes in the game, he loves the game. He wants why, to, why, if there's, if, if you feel like you're putting yourself out there and sticking up for the poker players and the majority of people in your industry or your peers, uh, look down on you for doing this and, and the way, the strategy that you've taken for the most part. And while they have respect for you, they don't really support you in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of animosity amongst the other people because there's a lot of clicks in poker, rightfully so with people who've known each other and have been friends with each other for a very long time. What, why would you want to stay in that when you can, you, you have enough money to do anything you want to do. So, yeah. right. you know, he's not playing much poker and, and he can't play his game of poker. So, cause it's not possible to play it really out there. So why would he like, why would you stay? I don't, I don't, I, I get where he's coming from. No, fair enough. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I, I think, uh, like I said, I, it could be a, a few, like a Fedor type retired or, you know, maybe he's taking a break or depends. Things could change. I think obviously he's a talented player and, you know, puts out a lot of good content. So I just, you know, I don't know if it's like a break or like indefinitely, but either. No, it might, it might be something where he takes time off and then he decides I missed, like I did. I took a lot of this year off because I, I went like, Three percent in terms of hardness and creating content, and then I sort of come to the realization that okay, this is the way I'd like to go upon it. So I have some rejuvenated spirit for it. So maybe Doug might be the same way. Fair enough. Um, someone said I feel like Joey's being a dick. I don't think so at all, man. I love it. I love. It. I don't mind Joey. And I, I'll, I'll probably bring up a couple things. We could get Joey triggered, but it's all good. We're having a friendly conversation. And again, Doug. Uh, Doug took a minor shot or two here and there. It's all good, man. I, I don't mind. I like. I like Doug. I, Doug and I have had some nice personal talks. He's. I know he's busy. He's taking yeah, time. I, 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 I like make Doug. much sense when he said about. It. I still don't know why. Like I'm like, why are you talking? Like it's all right? good. I. I, I, don't, I don't get it. He's not, he was referencing some like networking and stuff, man. I, I have some of my best and favorite people in the world I've met through poker. Through Directly, indirectly, you know, if whether he thinks uh, networking or not genuine or not, you know, that's up to his interpretation. Opinion. I have no idea. So it's, it's all good. I, I could care less, you know, really what in that regard, if it, it was like a minor shot, you know, it was like a, it was like a BB gun, but it's all good, man. I, I got love for Doug. I'm I, no problem. No problem at all. Um, uh, let's see. Where do we go? Oh, crypto. Let's spend 30 seconds. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole. I want to, I want to comment on that comment. The guy made about being a dick. I really, I really think it has to do with ACR. I'll be honest with you, because I'm, I'm still a little triggered by, by anyone that works with ACR still in 2018. So you guys have to understand that what I went through in terms of how many hours I spent on America's card room and the investigation earlier this year was took up my entire life and dedicated my entire energy and pretty much all my being to figuring this out. And to really, I, I it, it sort of changed my entire life in terms of realizing that this site and this company was, was run how it's run. So that, that's, that's sort of where, where, if any, you're getting that sense of thing, that's what it's from. But I mean, I like Jeff a lot. So he's uh you know, he's somebody I think does great for the poker world and does a lot of really great stuff. So if it's for anything, it's from ACR. And if anybody can understand that, then, you know, that's fine. It is what it is. No, like again, this, you I like to try to dedicate your time to trying to figure out something. And you feel like you've been fucked over brutally by this company and by this fucking guy who says he's your friend, but he's really not your friend because he's clearly not looking out for you on the back end of things. Then I think you'd feel differently about the situation. Like I feel about the situation. Yeah. So again, I, 
For sure. I, I know you put a lot of time effort. I saw a lot. I did see some of the clips, the tidbits, like I watched some of it. Again, like I said, content wise, I think you do a lot of great stuff. I do, you know, I keep an eye on what you're doing. It's hard to watch full videos or go into full detail, which I'm sure you don't, you know, it's hard to really do that. So, you know, I keep an eye on it and I'm not here to defend or deny anyone. I think there's three sides to every story, but based on some of the major points. I'd love to hear their side, Jeff. I'd yeah. love to hear what their side is. I'd love, I'd love <laughs> Fair enough, man. Listen, I want the best for American poker. Let's have a conversation about this. I'd I'm, love to talk to Bill Nagy. Yeah. Open in 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the rest of my life. Have yeah, that, that would be a, that would be a lit podcast for sure. I don't know if you could do that too. <laughs> He's got nothing to hide, Jeff. Let's go. Yeah. Nice guy. Let's have a conversation. <laughs> you know, bring me anyone on ACR security team. Let me have a conversation. Bring me anyone that works at the company. I'll have a conversation with anyone that works at Winnie. I will, I will say I'm in the fortunate position. I've gotten to know with the major sites, pretty much all of them, the people up there and, and talk to them all. So you know, I kind of hear. Why would they be? They have every incentive to be nice to you. You are an influencer in the industry who can say things or do things or give them exposure and put them out there. And you're very easy to deal with. You're very nice. You're very, you're very adjustable, bendable in terms of what the opportunities are. You don't cause a lot of fucking fuss. You show up on time. You show up ready to get after it. So every company out there has every incentive to treat you in a way that is either inauthentic or authentic to who they might be because they have no reason to never to make anything like that. So of course, you're going to be getting these people in the industry's best foot forward on a, on, on a consistent basis because- well, why wouldn't they? There, there's no reason not to. I understand. So, I, Joey, of course, that goes without saying, but thank you for the kind words. And I agree with you. I'm not saying that, of course, it makes sense. Same thing with you or anyone else. Like they want to treat you good. He wants to, you know, they would want to, they want to massage you. Of course, I get all that. I'm saying my experiences from, you know, with other sites, like, listen to me. I will say this. Poker Stars has been great to me since I've been with them. There's stuff they've done that is definitely, you know, we it's like we can talk about all the sites and things they've done or done this or that or how they've treated. I've just saying I've heard from other sites, from their core right. players, their core workers, good and bad. I've heard it all. I'm not saying sure. all, any sites. Great. I'm just saying my experience of what I've heard from people that deal with them directly. And again, it is kind of massaged, right? You're talking about the people that are taking care of their players, their support. Like it's definitely going to be more favorable their way. That's all. I'm just saying I can't no, defend that, them. Is that fine? Is that fine to you? Is that fine that a site no, no. is going is to scam the players like that? But my, they, my point they is they I pay their, their pay their people. Like they don't provide security. Is that that's definitely not. Really and I haven't watched or seen every point that you've made, but some well, of the stuff should, you said, there's all the video. You should, you should check it out then for sure. Because yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know about having a conversation about the subject and not necessarily knowing what's what that's a, that's a major fucking thing that they did and that they're doing. And that is still ongoing on the site in terms of the bots operating right now, this day at this moment at the PLO cash games on there. So I'm passionate about the PLO cash games and the cash game like ecosystem you're more passionate and paying attention to tournaments too. So I can understand why you and a lot of other people out there aren't educated on what the site's doing. And you say, okay, well, I'll support them, whatever. But man, dude, it's no, just- I, what I, what I that's, why, that's why the state of poker is in what it's in a lot of ways. It's because we have people out there that instead of standing up against this fucking operation out there, they support the operation. I mean, that's just a big deal. That's a big thing that's happening. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how else to say it out there. Like, I can't stress this enough. That's why these sites and these things are in the situation that they're in. Because no one has taken a stance up and said, all right, man, let's draw some attention to this on a consistent basis because it is a big fucking deal. It's a huge deal. And especially for Americans that don't have a lot of options. I agree. I mean, that that's stuff that needs to be governed. It needs to be body. It needs to be it needs to have light 
driven to it. So you know, I think a lot of people do appreciate your time and effort and what you're doing to to look out for them because there isn't a lot yeah, of people to is, do it. It is what it is. ACR can stop right. I'm not, I'm not fucking with you guys, yeah. ACR. I'm not going after you guys. You guys do whatever you want to do. You guys do that. I'm going to, I'll keep drawing attention to it on podcasts and occasion and sometimes in my videos, but they're, I'm not going down that rabbit hole. Yeah, that's what there. I'm saying. I want to focus on Joey Ingram and who you are and what, you know, that, I, again, that's part of who you are. You, you do some investigation. You do your, you do look over. I like, well, yeah. listen, fire is good. Um, all right, let's talk about prop bets. Let's go to a fun one for a second here. Uh, prop bets, you and I both have been in our careers. We've both had some interesting prop bet situations. I know uh, there was obviously that dark bet just now that was pretty, pretty intense. And I don't know how it all shook out. I know you did sort of a in-depth look at that, which was a crazy one, which I would have lost a lot of money because I would have thought it was literally a hundred to one. I don't know how it all, like I heard there was some weird stuff that happened at the end with the buyout and like, there were some weird like side side bets and what happened with all that. But let's just, first of all, we can maybe touch on that because I thought it was super interesting. But what, how about you? What was some of your most memorable prop bets that you've done in your career? Uh, and are, are you in any current prop bets as well right now? Well, I spoke with the, peop, the one guy in, in, involved in that prop bet, the specific dark bet. So I had all the information. It sounded weird to me too about how it ended, but he answered all my questions in a pretty, pretty straightforward way. And all the answers seem to make sense. And I've sent seen footage of Rich in the bathroom on Action Network. So I do believe that any sort of um, concerns people had about the legitimacy of that bet. I think yeah, there was a live cam. I, I saw some live shots as well while it was going on. I mean, I'm not saying it didn't happen. It was forged. I'm just saying, I, I'm just like the buyout slat. Like it almost seemed like the people who had side bets didn't really like tie it in right. Like they didn't, I heard some weird like ways they were trying to settle where like someone would like, you know, like how that all went down. But I, I think in terms of the actual bet, it was legit. I mean, it's pretty impressive. I, I just can't imagine that. I, I don't know what the price would be or like how to I even, think, I don't think I could do it first of all, even if I wanted to, but. I think my, my bets now are, I don't know, man. I've, I've, I've lost, I lost a lot of heart this year. So I didn't have any harder enthusiasm to do my bets this year. So I lost most of the ones I had. What about the so one with the, the swimming one with, right now. I think I was going to be there for the one uh, during, maybe it was going to be during the streamboat thing where you, you were going to come down and swim with, when we were at the, in the St. Thomas, Bill made one with you about a, a ocean bet and then the hurricane happened, that whole mess. But did that, you never ended up completing or trying that, did you? No, we didn't try it, but I would have loved, I would have either died drowning or I would have won the bet. <laughs> they would have had to pull me out of the water. I would have won that bet. I, that, I, that I believe it. I believe it. I would have bet on you. I always think betting on the man in these situations, except when you're in a dark hole for 30 days with all that. I would bet on the man almost always to complete the task. But any other bets, like anything you, what, what's one of the more like notable prop bets? Well, you won the one, the 24 hour, you set the world record for tables. I mean, that's not necessarily a prop bet. That was like a, that was a prop bet. That was most hand, that was, I bet I won 33,000 on the side. I played 50,000 hands in a day at 10 cent, 25 cent. I won 44 buy-ins at the table. I won $800 in, in action. So it wasn't like I lost money. I went, I crushed at the tables. I made $33,000 in side action. The biggest winning day in the history of 10 cent, 25 cent in the entire world. I did the 600,000 hands in a month prop bet for a full ring on poker stars as well, too. When I played, I won money at that when I, I won money through the bet and then I won money at the tables during that bet too. So I didn't lose money during that bet as well. Was that part of the stipulation to be valid? Did you have to book a winning session? Uh, 50,000 hands in a day I did, but the uh, previous one I didn't. Okay. Yeah. But I won with both of those times. And then, um, Supernova elite bet I had before on poker stars, I had two of those. And I won the first one and the second one was much harder because I needed to set another record for PLO hands in a play in a month. I played the 450,000 hands that's in crazy. That December to get Supernova Elite. And that's by far the most I think ever played at the time. Wow. Whether it's been passed, I don't think it could be passed at this point in time unless you're a bot. 
That's amazing. That is amazing. Those, those are crazy. If you really, those numbers are just, that's scary to think about. I can't imagine trying that. Um, had, a lot of heart, had a lot of heart and I was a machine back then, Jeff, I, and I'm a little bit more balanced of a life machine now in terms of uh, you know, how I allocate my energy and what I decide to do. But I got to yeah. give a, I got to give a yeah. quick shout out to Phil Locke on the, in terms of those prop bets. That was a, he did the 112 ish oh, yeah. hours on and live had to book a win. I, I saw that I, I stopped by during part of that and he had no coffee, no supplements yet or no anything. He had to take testing and he did like, literally that's like four or five, four and a half, almost five days, maybe in a way, in a row awake. It, it, you ever wonder why Phil's in the matrix? I think there's a little long term that, that that is like a that's a pretty crazy one i, I can't be healthy I, that's insane they actually took yeah. out of the guinness book of world records i believe like it used to be i think 11 or 12 or 13 days was the most days ever awake and they like took that away because of obvious health reasons or that could i mean i can't I, at some point you just like you cannot phil was saying he actually stopped because he was he couldn't he wasn't tired it was like scary right because he like wasn't getting tired and it was like all right enough's enough like at a certain point you might like do some permanent damage there. So I think it's important in prop bets to, to pump the brakes a little um, and be, be careful what you're doing. And I like this one, this hundred hour thing was uh, or 130 day. The darkness thing is definitely concerned me uh, mentally. Like it, it could be some long-term damage, but I'm, I guess everyone's okay. No so. gamble, no future, Jeffrey. Yeah. You get yourself out there in the mix sometimes, man. You got to gamble it up. I, I agree. All right. This one I got to hit before, because we're already about an hour in. It's easy to talk to you, man. Someone that, someone that does uh, the podcast, um, you know, it's, it's we both like to talk so it's kind of a it's crazy to get you on the other side of this i, I like it i don't necessarily like to talk about myself so well, i never talk about myself oh that's myself. actually have, is this is this like a cherry did we get you here for the are you have you i'm sure have you done one have you ever done a podcast i've, I've, done, I've done podcasts before but it's never any sort of deep conver- like it's not about joe ingram like, basically i don't talk about anything i study learn or care about for the most part and a lot of stuff what i do like i care about poker a lot and i care about the qualities needed to become successful at life but for the most part, I don't talk about anything I study. I don't talk about anything I read. I don't talk about anything I consume or the conversations I have with certain friends for the most part. So a lot of who I am as a person is not into anything that I put out there. We're going to, no that make, I will, that makes sense, man. You're, well, you're great at the other, the other side of that doing it. Let's look here, guys. If you are on, get to the Twitter, you can hit the retweet and ask a question for Joey. I saw some good ones. We're going to, we'll kind of towards the end, we'll, we'll take a look at those and answer. Yeah, I'll, I'll fire off some of those. I'll give some shorter answers for some of those questions. Perfect. And again, guys, give Joey a follow on YouTube. Very impressive. Over 60,000. Um, on his subscribe for YouTube list, which is, I mean, that's a lot, one of the leading in poker for sure. How, how did you, when did you decide you were going to start a YouTube channel? How, how old is your, your YouTube channel? I started, I put up videos a long time ago, just randomly. And then I started doing my pod. Like there was no YouTube channel when I started my podcast four or five years. Like the idea was, is I wanted to create something high quality and in terms of high level discussion, not necessarily looks high quality, but high level discussion of actual good winning poker players, because I thought that all the content out at that time was done by people that weren't awesome at poker, like just weren't high level. They didn't play high stakes. They weren't necessarily people who had been in the trenches and, and, and been there before, because I felt like those players could have a much different conversation than, than people that don't really play much poker. And also I wanted to promote the great game in Omaha, which was the main incentive to want to start doing content at all. And then I sort of developed into having guests on and uh, yeah, that's about four, four and a half, five years ago now, almost maybe four and a half years ago. Checking out your, your, uh, Hendon mob here. It looks like you do have a couple of PLO tournaments. So this year, I mean, that's, that's a pretty exciting tournament. You got deep 
in that one. 10K, those 10K, 25K PLO at the WSOP are pretty, pretty big fields, big, big prizes. I mean, you were down, I didn't realize you got so deep. 17, 476 entries. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a million up top. Were you, did you get, did that get you excited at some point? Were you like, man, I get this tournament thing. It's fun. Maybe like if you win that tournament, does it change your tournament outlook? Maybe you start playing more or just like, no, hit it and run. The, the, the only reason why I wanted to do six, be, do well in that is for the perception of, of everything. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily, I didn't, I didn't care to, to do well in it for like myself or like, I rolled oh my God, I really want, cause I've, I've played less than 10 PLO tournaments live in my entire life. And I probably played, I've only played a, a small number of WSOP events. So the only reason I wanted to win was because I knew it would be good for business. And the perception of me as a poker player would be strangely validated to some people out there because I won a dumb fucking tournament. So <laughs> that is the biggest reason why was if I made that, that's just good for the resume or good for business. It's, it, it's in interesting. It's interesting you that say I that. I, there's an irony too. Cause like, I will say like, I was like kind of on this live grind. Like, oh, I want to, you know, win a bracelet, win a WPT. I've been pretty damn close on both of those, but like, it's the same thing. It is, it is almost like a validation thing where now it's like, I'm much more focused on content, Twitch, um, YouTube, this type of stuff where it's like less of a importance to me but it's i i would say that's true they're right people really do um they no, kind of they, they, they just like they like oh you win a tournament you, you're for sure an expert or if you don't like you right. don't know what you're doing it's kind of funny but it is such a results-oriented business it makes some sense i mean i don't i don't it, i get it's, it it's sad it is but it, it is what it is it kind of makes me sad because people put so much of of you your success as a person by your accolades and by your numbers and they're so obsessed with victories and they're so obsessed with views and and subscriber counts. And because that's the major metric to be able to track these type of things. Whereas myself, I've never necessarily used those same metrics for myself to determine success, but so many around me do and treat me differently because of those things. So I just find that kind of sad and interesting and it is what it is, but I don't necessarily do that same thing where I, I, I treat everyone with respect until they do something to me. And then if they disrespect me, I'm not going, I'm not going to treat them with respect anymore. I just will try to forget about them. But in terms of putting people on a pedestal because of this or that, like I don't treat you differently because you're rich or you're popular or you're successful or you won some fucking tournament. And a lot of people out there that you meet do, they, they, they don't, they only talk to you because of this or because of that. So no, that, that's not really how I operate, but I understand why people put so much stress on these sort of factors because there's no other way to really track how someone's doing it, especially if you don't pay attention to them outside of those numbers and those accolades. Absolutely. I see Ghost of M dropping. What's up, Ghost of M legend? Legend, legend all across the board's dropping Joey's YouTube link in there, guys. Make sure to give him a follow. Twitch, Twitch moderator, Ghost Dude, of M. Ghost of, he's everywhere, man. He's honestly, the guy is a legend. Him and Vadrin, they I don't even know how to think about operating anything without these guys. So, guys, thanks for being here. Patron is an, he's a fucking, beast. he's a, he's a super, super animal legend for sure. Um, so shout out to those guys. Give Joey a follow across the board, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all that good stuff. I want to dive in next to a question. This is kind of personal, just like, just cause it was on my mind. I actually, I came up and just uh, kind of random tidbit here, but about a person in general who I respect a lot and I've done a lot of work with Jamie Staples. I just was curious uh, if you had an incident with him or, sure. you know, kind of like there you, seems you to tell me what you heard. What have you heard, Jeff? You, you explain what you've heard. And then I can, I can tell you if this, yeah. what you've heard it. Uh, I just want to, I want to put it in a, in a neutral my, my standpoint or not neutral setting, a neutral standpoint uh, from what I've, the understanding from, again, I don't want to put words in his mouth. So I, cause I honestly don't even remember exactly sure. how it was worded. Basically my understanding was Jamie felt like you were, you kind of, uh, you kind of attacked him or came at him where he, when he signed with stars and maybe like, didn't, 
you and your it seemed like you thought he didn't deserve that or kind of gave him like a tough no, tough go. About, I don't talk about what somebody deserves or doesn't. All right, deserve. for, see, I, that's right, first of all, I don't want to. I want to let this. I want to tee it up without because I don't even know he didn't use those words exactly. Thing, right? Give me the it's, give me your like, thoughts on Jamie. What, that's what, what, what I want to. What is what does he think about it? Because I got a lot of respect for the kid's work ethic and for the success that he's had with building himself into a brand, into a business and the yeah. things that he's done in, in terms of helping people out and inspiring them to also follow along on their own health journeys out there too. Got a lot of respect for that. I think the main issue I have in terms of any communication we've had in the past is something that happened, I believe with, um, you know, with something that him and Doug Polk or something like that. And it's really maybe a miscommunication of something yeah. he told Doug. And I feel like the, the, what he told Doug and what was, was then back to me and was not accurate of how it went down. And, it also shows me here is that's not, that's not true at all. I don't give a fuck about that. And right. I don't think I've ever came across in a way like, Oh my God, this guy got sponsored. Like I, I'm upset about that. I don't, who cares? No, no. There's okay. Plenty of people that are sponsored that some people think shouldn't be sponsored. It's not my position to say this guy or this guy shouldn't be sponsored, especially with how sites go up on their direction. So I don't care who's making money from whoever like that. If they're, if they're sponsored by poker stars, that's fine. They're sponsored by ACR story, but if they're sponsored by those sites, kind of things like that, I don't, it's nothing I'm concerned about at all. It does not matter to me at all, but it does matter to me when somebody goes to one of my good friends and is telling me that I'm treating them some type of way or, or they're saying this to me in person or that to me in person and that sort of thing like that, I don't have a lot of love for because I don't go talking about buying people's back and telling me, oh, I was with Jeff and Jeff said this to me when it didn't fucking happen. And then it gets back to Jeff. Jeff's like, what are you talking about? If I got an issue with somebody, I'm going to come to, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to put it out there. I'm right. not going to talk about you behind your back and say these kind of things like that. So my issue, with, I, I don't necessarily have an issue with, with the kid. I got a lot of respect for the kid, what the kid's done and the work that he's put in. I really do. Right. I think work ethic to me is one of the things that just, I have so much admiration and respect for because I know how hard it is. So, and do I appreciate in my opinion, things being like made up about me? No, I don't. Well, so hold on. Let me, I think uh, I'm going to go out there and say like, what am I going to, I, I don't, it is. What no, it is. no, I get that. I, don't, I, I think I, what you just said to me, I don't consider it accurate as well too. So that's what I guess I want to, it's almost like I want to clear the air because you're two people I like a lot and respect. And that's why it's almost like hard for me to understand where the, the issue is. And I think I have one other similar situation where two well-known people in the industry, there was like sort of a beef. And then like, it was like, you know, it's, it's again, it's he said, she said, I, you said, I've got nothing. I don't talk about the guy in a negative way. I've had the conversation come up once or twice in the past during pods with Doug. But outside of that. OK, that's I guess that's what I'm asking. So you it's something you're saying that something was and again, I don't want to. This is not what I want to talk to Joe Ingram about. I just wanted to clear right. and just kind of understand on a, on a public forum, because I think there's no ill will from him. That's my experience and really believe that. And he just felt like almost like how, how like didn't feel like it was, it was fair on that end. But so you're saying like, you heard, you heard something that he said this dog or something that like, it's you didn't dumb. think it's stupid. It's dumb. Like okay. that's what it is. All right. Someone's, someone's making up things that feel like they're disrespecting. Like I said, I'm, I, I take strongly to disrespect. So if I feel like you disrespect me, then this is how I get, I get, I'm, what am I, what have I been angry about in this podcast? ACR, <laughs> anything with disrespect. Yeah. So when it comes to those kind of things like that, that's just how, that's how I am. And I can, I can lie to you guys. And no, no, that not, but I'm, I'm saying, saying so what you, like Jamie, that. I know how to be more, politically correct and to not cause any sort of controversy or get people riled up. And I understand the impact my words can have on people if it's not a positive way. So I'm very careful to ever say anything negative about anyone because right. I understand how that can affect people because I've seen it in the past. So I don't, that's why I, I just don't, I'm done to say, man, about these kind of things like that. Fair enough. No, no problem. I, I would just say, I, I don't see the guy. I never see him. It's not someone I'm, I come across. It is so it doesn't matter.
Fair enough. That's all. It's, it's more so because I know Jamie very well. I've done a lot of projects on him. The same thing. I respect his work ethic, who he is, what he's doing, how he motivates people. And just I, he's one of my favorite people, not only in poker, but we've become friends outside. That's all. I just, you know, again, I respect you a lot. We don't spend a ton of time together. The time we do, I like you. I respect you. I, that's, that's also why this is interesting to me. Get to know you better. Don't want to spend a, you know, the, uh, a Dr. Phil yeah, moment. That's me, all. I just, I know me for sure. You're bringing out the fire in me right now. Yeah. I just want to see you guys hug it out. I, I just want to see for positivity and, and, and the things that I do and, and, and really getting after it and I'm on my goals and on what I want to be successful at. Fair and enough. On the I have. So this is, this is, you know, I mean, we're getting, this is, this is when I look at podcasting, I look at these are the ways you get to know someone. Yeah. You get to know what they're passionate about what gets them fired up. For sure. I get fired up when I have them on a podcast. I want to, yeah, I'm not, I'm not looking, I'm not looking to ask you to smoke a J and, you know, Joe Rogan, uh, Elon Musk stuff and set you, try to take, you know, get yeah, you, why not? Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> that's a whole, all right, no, we'll just skip that part. But, uh, yeah. So anyway, good and fair enough, man. I hope you guys hug it out. Cause I think you guys really like each other and, and I hope, uh, whatever, I just think there's a misunderstanding, which happens. That stuff happens. Uh, definitely with something gets, gets misconstrued or whatever. Yes, Jeff, I don't have as many, many misunderstandings of poker. Also, I don't have, I don't have anyone. Um, uh, I got no, I'm not like, there's no beef with anybody out there. There's no misunderstandings out there for the most part with anybody out there. So anyone that's been, you know, there might be one person who, who uh, has more issue, but he wants to be friends with me now. So it's, it's nothing that this isn't a thing that's common for me where I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm overreacting and get upset about things. It's fair not fair enough. I, the other, like the other, there was a, the whole, the Alec, the Torelli thing was interesting to me. Like oh that, God. that whole story. And then you got to stand up to these fucking people, Jeff. You cannot let these these inauthentic people operate and just not say anything when you have a platform. You can't give them a platform to come on and be incredibly fake about who they are and about what they've done and about what they've been involved with. Right. Joy, Joy, this is my point. Like, this is my point to someone that doesn't know somebody or see something or gets like a piece of something. It's like, that's what you do. You go deep, you do research, you look into it, and then you you give your authentic opinion of a situation. So people respect what you say. You know, if you, if you come at someone, same with Doug, like if Doug or someone says something about somebody, whether it's true or not, they have a lot of power. So, you know, again, I don't have, I, there's, I'm not a judge jury. I, I take my opinions, formulate them, what I hear from trustworthy people, plus my own experiences. And that's what it is. So, you know, again, like, I'm not trying to, I'm just saying like, I, there's certain things that get put across in a certain way. And I know I, I can say from knowing you that I trust you when you go and say something like, I know there's not, this isn't just like a, a feeling guy. Like you're, you're taking information and you're making your best decision. And, you know, you are, you are a valid, you know, check mark in poker where like, I respect what you say and agree with what you say until proven differently. I, I if yeah, Poppy I mean, says I mean, something, I, I'm on I your team. Not, yeah. Everything I say is not perfect or right. Yeah. So but I, you go with what I'm you not, believe. Not you're you're I, not I make mistakes. I've done dumb shit in the past. Like I'm not, I'm not some perfect. That's why I, it's kind of sad that I'm the one to speak up about some of these things. It's like, you think some of these the noble people who have done all these perfect backgrounds would say some things about this, but because I'm certainly not in a position to act like I'm some Jesus Christ and never make mistakes, never done anything wrong and never treat people badly in my life and everything like that. Because I think we all make a lot of mistakes about that too. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. No, it's, it's for sure valid stuff. So let me ask you again, real quick, PLO, that's your specialty your game. Is it, have we hit the peak of PLO? Is it on the incline or decline? Is PLO for a while looked like it was going to take over? It looked like it was like no limit holding no. games would not be spread as much as PLO for a second. People talked about it. Maybe the main event would be a PLO tournament at some point. Like no. is PLO, has it hit its total max or is it, do you think it's still no, got I think, room? I think it's growing live 
But I, I mean, listen, we're never passing Texas Hold'em, you know. And I think for PLO to keep growing, it's going to take me or other people to really go extra hard. And I haven't gone extra hard about PLO in the past year or two because I just haven't. So I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, I don't see it becoming ever overtaking McNolan and Hold'em in any capacity anytime soon. Okay. And how, how do you, how do you respond to someone in, in poker when they say, Hey, it's, you know, Joey, I love what you do. It's cool. Like you're, you know, this and that, but it's a zero sum game. How are you adding value to the world? I think this is kind of like a really cool question to hear people and just how they kind of approach that, because that is sort of seems to be sort of like what people who don't understand poker or just kind of in general say, but I mean, I have my response on that. I'm just curious. How, how do you sort of look at that? For me, me personally, like what value am I adding to the world through what I do? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I got a message last night from someone or a, a post on two plus two. He talked about how, how he is suffering from depression and anxiety and he doesn't get out much. And his, my videos help brighten up his days and weeks. And he doesn't know if I get many messages like this, but I he believes there are people like him who find it hard to communicate and interact with others. So I truly do make a difference in people's lives. And thank you for that. So that's just from one person out there. That's powerful. So, and I get a lot of messages like that from people, not necessarily, I mean, that's what's the most sweetest message I've ever read in my entire life. I was like, oh my God, I wrote up the longest reply talking about <laughs> sort of my own feelings and approach to life this entire year. So you can find that I put on my Twitter page last night. And um, yeah, like I get messages like that from people. I hear from people in terms of what they've learned or what they take away. I think my podcast puts out really, really great content in terms of what you can learn and what you can take away and the inspiration you can find from people out there. So in terms of, am I providing something as a specific poker player? Probably not, but have I provided something in terms of my videos getting millions of views and my podcast being uh, uh, popular in the entire poker industry and in terms of people who've tuned in and, and taken things away? I think I provide a great deal in terms of what I've hopefully put out there in a positive way and a positive message and, and hopefully give gave people more information and knowledge to be able to improve their lives or however they want to better their lives. And I feel like right now I'm at the beginning of doing that. And as I learn more about myself and about how other people operate and about the world in general, I feel like I'll be in a better position to be able to help people out with that. So, yeah, I mean, as a poker player, you know, like, what are we doing? I don't know, but I think there's a lot of other ways out there to impact people on a small scale or a major scale. And it doesn't matter if it's one person or two people or 10 people. So most people I know aren't impacting anybody. So the people that talk about this kind of shit, what are they doing? Like, what are, what are they working at the office? Like, <laughs> I, I agree. What do you, what do you, what do you, what are you doing, Jimmy from fucking Kentucky? Yeah. You know, like you're, you're a negative talk. You're a negative person to your family, to your friends. You're helping out the world. Right. I don't think so. And that's the people that say these things. You don't hear somebody out there that's like really doing something for the world, critiquing what other people do in general. Cause that's not how that works. They're spending time doing other things. So when I hear an argument like that, I mean, I just laugh because I know whoever's saying it's incredibly uninformed and hasn't really deeply thought about the issue and why that might be and why it might not be the case for everybody out there. Because yeah. people in every industry, that's going to be the case for, whether you're a poker player, real estate agent, sports figure, a hooker, whether you do whatever you want to do, there's always going to be people that care about the world and want to make a difference and figure out how to do it. There's going to be people that don't give a fuck and that are toxic and that bring everybody around them down. So it's not unique to poker and it's not unique to poker as a profession. So I don't know when I hear that comment, it's, it's sort of, you make it however you want to make it. 
Yeah, no, I agree with that. Same thing with as sports athletes or whatever. It's right. Like you, you, it's not like someone playing for Steph Curry, like, yeah, you can do a lot of good and donate, do these things. But like ultimately what for your profession or what you're doing, or there's so many professions you could just say like, what are you, yeah, you're helping people or you're treating someone, you're doing your lawyer, like whatever it is, like, what are you really doing? It's about ultimately, I think creating freedom for yourself that what do you do with your free time? How are you net positive for communities? I mean, I think it's more obvious though for, for you or someone that does a lot of content too. It's like, yeah, you're providing entertainment, you're providing value, you're providing knowledge. So I think it's a little easier than someone who's just like grinding like two, five at the Bellagio. Maybe that's like, you know, what are you doing? If you're, what's your daily routine? Like if you're a two, five grinder, you go to Bellagio, you you go pick up some fast food from fix. Maybe you, you smoke a cigarette or you make a sports bet. You watch a sports game. You have three friends. You talk poker with them. You date a girl. You're not really in another relationship. You talk with your mom a little bit. So what are you doing to exactly change your life to make a difference in this way that you want to make a difference? Sure, right. it's not black and white, but it's not black and white. Many things you're going to do. You have to go create the opportunity for yourself. Right. So hey, what am I supposed to do? Well, get on the Internet. <laughs> yes. Google. Start a blog. Talk. Look at Dan Smith. Look right. at Reg Charity. Like create something. Do something powerful. Empower people. Give back. It's also about how your interactions are. How do you treat everyone? Not just you know. How are you treating whatever. people on a day to day basis? Your Uber driver, whatever. Like how are you net positive? So I think that's yeah for sure. No, it's interesting. I like how you put it. I, I have a very similar outlook on that, and I think it's something that gets talked about. People say that a lot, but I think it's a super silly. It's an interesting question, but it's super silly to come from it from a negative perspective in poker when really. It's it's irrelevant what you're doing and how you're, how are you right. operating on a daily basis in your overall life? Not, not what you're doing for work per se. Uh, very interesting. So you mentioned relationships that's on the list of interesting things that people want to know about joy. Give us uh, your sort of rundown five, 10 year. Are you, do you, do you want to have kids eventually if it's the right situation? Kind of talk to us about current relationship status. Should people try to slide in the DMS? Are you off, off limits right now? What's going on? Um, well, I, uh, I definitely want to have kids. I've, I've decided I think that'd be a great thing. I don't know if it'll be here in America or outside the country at some point in time. But uh, yeah, I mean, my relationship status now is single. And um, I don't know. I, I mean, I've always approached relationships from a standpoint where poker was my relationship for my entire 20s for the most part. So I dated women, but poker, I, I made it clear poker was number one, number two, number three, number four, number five at that point in time in my life because I had a dedicated mission to get to the high stakes and to make a lot of money. And then I achieved that and I said, well, fuck, that wasn't as quite as glamorous as I thought it would be. I don't feel quite as good as I thought I felt. And then I started re, re sort of figuring out what I wanted to my goals in terms of money and success and stakes and whatever. And since then, I've been more open to relationships, but I've always found it hard to balance the necessary energy. I feel like I would want to put into a relationship with what I want to put into my own life and learning and studying and trying to get better at what I do. So I think right now I'm at a standpoint where I'm just figuring out more about what I like as a person and what I want to be around in terms of a person, whether it's energy wise and how they approach life and how they approach the idea of support and how interested they are in what I do and vice versa, how much we can help each other and empower each other. So right now I'm, you know, I don't know. I feel like there's Jeff, there's a lot of people, people love a winner, Jeff. I'm going to tell you right now. So if you're out there and you're having any sort of winning success, People are really attracted to that quality. So as you start to have success in your life, provided you're not a fucking weirdo, you're gonna be able to meet a lot of men and a lot of women. And that is certainly an opportunity for me to meet a lot of people. So where I stand right now with it, Jeff, I don't know. All right. Well, that's nuts. I think that was a pretty detailed answer. Um, So overall, let me ask you, and just how do you, 
how many podcasts are you doing a year right now? Like what's your, do you have a t- typical number? How do you structure? Well, there's you, no structure. Bro. You just that's, got, that's you, been my, one of my biggest, that's why my podcast is not as successful as it could be is because I have not been consistent with it the past two years. There is no structure. There <laughs> is no time. There is no, there's so many things I could be doing better that I've either actively not done better or subconsciously not done better that I know it could be more successful. And whether that stems from laziness or which I don't think so, whether it stems from not necessarily desiring that fear of, of maybe that doesn't happen. I'm not sure where that comes from, but yeah, it's just never been something I've been overly focused on and to the detriment in a lot of ways to what people consider traditional success and a traditional approach to improvement in, in terms of numbers and those sorts of things like that. So the way I look at my podcast is that I get to have great conversations with most of the people I have on now are just my friends. You know, I'm not like really reaching outside of my comfort zone in a lot of ways, which we could debate is very bad, but I get to have two hour in-depth conversations with people who love poker, who generally tend to be pretty intelligent people to talk with that I enjoy talking with that make me happy and that give me life and give me inspiration and taught me about myself and about life these past few years. So in terms of a schedule, I don't have one. Will I get one? Probably not. Will I learn and from you in terms of how you do it? Yes. I already learned from you in one capacity where you create these sweet graphics beforehand. Shout out to Vedran. So now I'm like, okay, maybe I should, I should create some sweet graphics for stuff too. So I, I just try to find inspiration from people that I feel like are doing things well. So in poker, there isn't much inspiration for the podcast world because people just sort of do things and then that's it. Well, that's and what I'm here I for, Poppy. I want to inspire you. Come what? on, man. That's what we're here for. Get the graphics right. Get it high and tight. 2019. Let's set some New Year's resolutions together. You know, I, I think I don't know if this is true about podcasting and Twitch as YouTube. Like Doug and I, uh, not to say we collaborate. I'm just when I talked to Doug, he gave me a very interesting kind of outlook. When I said I like reached out to him and he we got on a phone call and he was like giving me some rundown about YouTube, what to expect, what not to, which was really nice of him. Took time. He was super busy. He was just like kind of blowing up in it, explaining to me sort of how and which made sense. Like Twitch is very competitive. King of the mountain, right? You got to like, you want to have the top spot. That's where new people come in and watch YouTube. On the other hand, it's very like, all right, Joey does content. Doug does content. I'm doing some stuff. It helps. Cause like it shows up on the side, you're growing people like all that. So is that, I would, I don't really know. Is that maybe, I'm not sure actually, I would assume it's similar in podcasting, but is it, is it not necessarily cause it's it's more similar to YouTube maybe like, how do you look at that? I honestly think me focusing on podcasts hurts me overall massively in terms of um, just from like a success on YouTube standpoint. Because like looking at my recent videos and, and most of my videos, the, the most of my videos I create or live streams do really well, but the podcast, depending on who the guest is, aren't always going to do very well. And they're going to bring your channel down because all the algorithm works is that let's say I had Ebony on last week and that does a few thousand views. Then you do a stream that gets 40,000 views. Then you do another podcast that gets 6,000 views. What happens is in the algorithm is that if your subscribers don't click on four or five videos, they stop getting your videos in the notification box or in the subscription box. So then they're just not going to see your channel exist anymore. Right. And if you do multiple of those kind of videos and they don't necessarily want to watch the podcast, well, then they're going to stop seeing your uniquely created videos altogether. So unfortunately, that's how YouTube works. And how the approach I've taken is that there's going to be a lot of dead subscribers because they're just going to go through a period of time where they don't want to click on a two-hour podcast. And that's mainly what's on my channel mixed in with some uniquely created videos that I think most people tend to really enjoy. So for me personally, I think the best approach from a content perspective would to not do podcasts at all. Sup- and maybe do once in a while, supplement them in like sort of how Doug did where he had his main content and then he worked in the podcast in there as well. 
But I think for me, I've just built so many relationships and I maybe have more friends in poker than almost anyone else in poker has in terms of acquaintances or people I'm friends with or people I would hang out with anywhere I went if we were around each other. So that's that there's value outside of there. But in terms of like building up a, a brand around that, you know, it's certainly capped. And I don't think it's the bet in poker. It is whether in real world, I don't think it is. But but yeah, do, you, I mean, do you see a competition? There's other podcasts in poker. Like, is it something where it's like yours or theirs or is it good? I don't, I don't care what anyone else is doing, bro. It doesn't matter. To me. I don't That's what I'm asking. I, That's how I, cause I, it's interesting how people do that. Law, they, I don't, I'm, I'm literally, I, I, the concern I have about what anyone else does is, is honestly zero. The only concern I have is I get inspired by people. Yeah. Someone that's does same stuff. Way. I get inspired by that because I'm like, well, maybe I can do that. And then I'll get, if I want to get more views, I can try that. But anytime I've tried to get more views, it just makes me fucking miserable person because I basically do things that I know I don't really want to be doing. Well, what about that? What about the MMA stuff? Let me touch on that. They kind of blew up. I saw you had an unbelievable, like the investigation was really interesting. I actually watched, you know, I watched that video, like the first one of those, which is, it's funny because just because I was like, oh, let me see like his his take on like some real life stuff that was interesting. I was at that fight and I was like, this is cool. Let me see how you do. And it was, I thought you did great. And I saw you were interested in that. So what, what, what's your takes on that? Cause I mean, that video, let me see. I I don't don't even know. I just remember it got a lot. I think somehow it's the most insane thing of all time so so like how does that like how does that go then which one was that that is uh it, it was, where was uh, that? connor 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 versus habib uh, investigation post fight brawl uh 8.2 million views right here i mean that's pretty insane so it's, it's, it's ridiculous it, so did, i mean did that, what kind does that give you a rush like what do you feel about that is that kind of like uh, man i got to do more of it or what it gives me more self-confidence to realize that i can create content about anything in the entire world just with the way that I put together videos and the ability I have to just find out information. So that's, that was the big takeaway was that, wow, this is cool, but I don't want my life to be predicated on like finding just creating stuff for, to get these amount of views, because I think I could do that on a consistent basis, not 8 million. That would only be a special case, but in terms of leveraging the most popular moments around the entire world that happen, and you can, you can track that through uh, Reddit, through YouTube, through Google, through Twitter, all the trending stuff, like the Drake versus Kanye stuff. That would, if I made that video, that would have been a few hundred thousand views video right there. So it would have been very highly done. But I just ultimately decided that the more I do MMA content, so I did a few videos that each like, couple of them got a million views and then the other one at a few hundred thousand. I just realized that if I keep going down that route, I'm going to get out of poker. And I don't think I want to get out of poker quite yet because I don't necessarily like where the poker space is. And I know if I leave and Doug leaves and you know we're going to be left with I don't know. I just, it's not a place that I, I don't know. I just something about it. So I saw that, I saw that poker, uh, well, I don't know why I'm blurry there. Um, I saw either the poker news or Bill's thing. I think it was Bill Perkins. Got a like, shout out to Bill, man. I know he's been on your packs a bunch. One of my closest friends and just entertaining, uh, awesome guys. But I, I think it was his, it were always poker news where they did like that, that meme where it was like, Joe, like looking behind, like the thing, like checking out the girl's ass, but it was like you leaving poker or like, you know, with the MMA after your video, I thought it was hilarious. Um, that was Perkins. What the fuck is he? I can't believe he's, he's taking time out from his busy schedule to, to commission a meme like that to be created i couldn't believe it yeah it's pretty epic man bill's a legend and that was hilarious so that was uh that was really funny um let me actually let me just scoot in let me segue into that i love i love the answer there about we'll go over to bill's channel and and talk about someone's asking i think sheffield 16 in the chat and i directly i'm helping oversee this what do you think about the thirst lounge sort of thing i saw kelly mink and you were you were promoting you know she did a video and you were 
uh, advocating that. I have to probably dig down here a little, find it. But that's uh, oh, here's the list of the finalists. Do you have any thoughts on that? Do you think that's cool? Do you think this type of stuff's good for poker? Uh, what are your What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I think Perkins has changed my entire life. So I, I um, you know, I have so much love for for Bill Perkins and what he's information and knowledge he's given me. Definitely opened my eyes up to a whole other type of human being and knowledge base that you can have. So you know, my conversations with him on my podcast were some of the most life-changing moments of, of my life, pretty much, I mean, of my later twenties, that was from a conversation. So, and in terms of what he's doing with Thirst Lounge, you know, I think it's cool, but will it have a big impact? You know, I don't think so. Right. Like are, are a lot of people going to watch it? Probably not. No, because who are the people that are going to be streaming? You know, like these people aren't regular streamers. Like, what are they going to, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, they, it's, it's been interesting. The stream base and there's a lot of competition already out there. So yeah. And no one promoted it because no one really promoted it when it happened now. So it's like, it's a cool thing if we had people that would promote it and talk about it and treat it like it's cool. But if no one else treats it like it's cool, well then no one's gonna think it's cool. Yeah, yeah. No check I just wanna also take, yeah, touch on that. that, I, that it looks like it's gonna be probably three to five people are gonna be picked. So that, I think that's kind of interesting and maybe have people in some different spots even. So like the channel's running, just to give a little back uh, information on that. And they get, same thing, you know, Bill's the kind of guy, he sort of dives into stuff and then, not saying he's he just basically we wanted jamie myself to help and oversee it and some other you know the, the details are kind of it's sort of like an idea and then trying to figure out how it's going to look but I, I just think in general this type of stuff's good for poker i think bill really genuinely goes out of his way to like do stuff and, and do some cool stuff and not necessarily like even that time he brought like 30 people to the bahamas right he's not looking to like get accolades or credit for it. he just wanted to do something really cool for people and like this is actually kind of ties into your point like he did something pretty amazing and it didn't really get picked up you know, and like this is the kind of stuff like in poker media, stuff like that, where there's stuff like this happens. People go out of their way to do nice things and maybe it gets kind of missed or overlooked when you know, I think there is a little bit of a, a missing gap on that type of stuff. It just shows how poor these people, the companies are, because I had two of the people on the podcast like like I, I think I might have done some of the most coverage of the 30 people that went to the Bahamas. And that's a really, really awesome thing from one of the people who's a we could argue is one of the biggest influencers in the poker world right now. And it has more risk. So you have this man going out of his way to do something cool like this. And where's the coverage? And where's the exposure? Where's just the, the talking about it on a continued basis that you're going to find from media and other sports and other industries. So it's just sad. I mean, really, that's what it is. It's, it's like, why would you not promote this awesome thing that this man's doing to give these people like one guy was Bruno from Brazil. He's fucking had recovered from cancer and he was at cancer. He went there. Like this guy, who knows, he might have died soon. And this was like a, a huge trip and a huge moment for him in his life. So, yeah, I don't know. It just it, it sucks that that's not widely more promoted. Yeah. But I'm trying, I'm trying to help out in my own way that I can in terms of bringing light and bringing exposure to the cool moments and the cool things that are happening in poker. And that's something that I'm going to be focusing on more of this upcoming year. Absolutely. And again, I just to say, Bill, like I just think Bill's a perfect example. I would say like I met Bill indirectly, but directly through poker. And, you know, I've been one of my closest friends relationships that I've had learned the most, like, you know, you, you can tell on a podcast talking to him, how inspirational and powerful and how smart and intelligent he is. Even like from the streamboat winners, one of the guys went down there and said it changed his life. Uh, Ryan Forbes, he had like a relationship or something he was in a job he was in was like not passionate and just kind of heard Bill break it down from a in intellectual level and change his life. So I think that's the kind of thing too about poker. It's like you can meet really cool, interesting people. It's sorry, it can kind of bridge gaps financially, economic, social, and bring people together and connect. So I think again, like it's just a good example of uh, some of the good or some of the cool stuff that poker can allow you to do. Um, 
So, all right, Joey, let's go five years, 10 years. Are you in poker? Do you see yourself sticking with it? You, you said you're in it. You're excited. It motivates you. You want to make good content. Do you like it's five, 10 year outlook? Like, does that, uh, does that scary to you? Is that fun to you? Are you optimistic? Are you, do you think you're still in poker in five and 10 years? I don't know. I think I think this chance could be dead. Could be living in a mountain town. Could be living on a beach in a foreign country. Could be in jail. Might be. I don't know where I'll be. Honestly, Jeff. Whether it's in poker or not, I don't know. Who knows? I would like to maybe be in charge of the World Series of poker in ten years. That that that's that's something. That would be sick. I, that would be that would be Listen, cool. You would not have the fucking scammy phone charger salesman and the scammy bracelet people. And the scammy people where they put that thing over your head and pop oxygen into your fucking nose. We would not have that at the biggest event in the entire world of poker. An event that everyone from around the world comes to for one month and a half. We showcase that series by putting scammy phone charger people who harass verbally, sexually harass the women as they walk by there. We would not put those people in the hallway, Jeff, if I was had anything to do in terms of influence for the World Series of Poker. There would be some awesome shit out there that puts the event in a great light in a great manner and people would be proud to come there and say hey i'm at the world series of poker i'll tell you so, what man joey i can see i think uh, i want to talk to you after offline about some stuff because i got some ideas for you and something even recently that i've just kind of come across i think um i think we probably both struggle with a little bit with like productivity it, not from the, the like you said you're not lazy you're obviously not lazy. You're very hardworking. You're very motivated. I think there's something to do with like getting organized, like having like maybe too much stuff going on. Once, like I want to ask you, do you have a team? Do you have a like? I have a Vagrin that I use, like that's unbelievable resource, and I, part of my team. Like, do you use who? Who puts on the Joey Ingram show? Who gets these videos out? Who does the YouTube, the uploading? Are you all on your own? I've done. I've done everything always. I had Jonah help me for a little bit with my business GTO Club. He helped me out with that. He did some content for me. Right periodically maybe he'll help me create some infographics but i've crafted all my strategy i've done everything i do all that stuff myself and you kind of see sometimes i struggle with some things for sure because i'm highly unorganized a lot of times and i'm not very good at planning so i struggle with those things and i've always struggled with those things so it's not a surprise that i struggle with those things now and what i do yeah i think um yeah, it's interesting because I, I definitely feel like, especially now trying to like take on the podcasting, starting this role, this whole thing, which is fun for me. I love to talk. I love people, interesting stuff. Um, I'm just kind of uh, curious on that because I think if anything I could use, it's just like we only have so much bandwidth. And I think you you, you find yourself pushing it in a lot of ways. And I, I can relate where it's like, oh, I want to do so many things, but it's like, how can you really do it all? Like even Andrew Nimi, like he, which, you know, shout out to him. Unbelievable guy, unbelievable content. He, he does his own YouTube editing on his logs and stuff, which is crazy to me. Right. But I guess it becomes a way to where it's almost like a perfectionist sort of mentality, or you just want to like do it your way because you envision it there. And I get that and makes a lot of sense because you have to kind of let go or sacrifice some of that. To, to, to. I think he, uh, he loves vid- edit, editing videos though. And he has a very balanced life in terms of, he has a relationship with his, with his wife Boozy, and yeah. his girlfriend wife. Pretty sure they're married. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Boozy. Yeah, she's awesome. So all of their stuff they do is mainly together in a lot of ways. So the poker he plays is here. The content he creates at home. The vlogs he makes are here. Podcast he does with his wife. So he doesn't have, he's not traveling a lot outside of poker specific things or outside of a relationship specific thing. So the distractions and the, things that he does and the people that he hangs out with is very limited. Whereas somebody like myself or somebody like yourself, we're spread out much more in terms of what we're trying to do. So it's easier for someone like Andrew to really focus in and crush what he does, which he's fucking crushing it and um, add in little things over time. And he's probably, I mean, he's probably much more well-organized than we are. I mean, I am for sure. He's gotta be. 
For sure. He's got a sick approach, very consistent. And yeah, no, definitely. I, I just think it's interesting, like GTO you talk about. Can you talk a little bit about Club GTO and just sort of what that means to you? That's sort of, I would say, people associate Poppy and uh, the great game to you, this of PLO, we say that. And then, of course, the kind of Club GTO or GTO, you love to, you know, how you live your life, how you play, all that. Like, you kind of, like, can you, can you, people are asking about that. It doesn't, I mean, it's just a way of life. You know, it's sort of like live your, the, what, the best approach to your own life and, you know, best, whatever it is for you, whether it's a GTO shirt or like a, a thing you're going to do with yourself. And I sort of just use it kind of, um, ironically in a lot of ways. And now I just, it's become a part of me and it's a word and something I strive for, I try to be GTO at life in a lot of ways. And I don't always succeed. And I know I fail at a lot of different things in a lot of different areas that I want to do better because I want to do everything better. So, uh, yeah, kind of GTO, the idea of, of you know, my GTO club was a separate business I created, but the GTO itself is just sort of a, a like a mindset kind of thing to have an approach to have about things. I like it. Well, it's multi-purpose, you know, it's, a, it's versatile. It does a lot of different things. GTO. I love it. Uh, and was there a turning point or pivotal point in your career? Like, was there a moment where you were like, kind of just, you know, I, I have one that stands out for me. Is there one there where you were like one day, yeah, I guess you said you took your roll up, you hit that, you played like a tournament, you got a little something going, you, you cross over. Was there a point? What moment did you say Joe Ingram is going to be a poker player? Or, I love this game. I'm sticking with it. That was a pivotal moment in that I, I had zero dollars and then I had 300 and some dollars from the tournament. So the only pivotal thing about that was I, I had money for another week and I wouldn't go busto. So and then I happened to play cash games and then win more money from that. I mean, pivotal moment was when I stopped 24 tabling for sure. After I won my prop bet in 2011, I started playing four tables, game selecting, playing higher stakes. And ever since then, my uh, entire poker success trajectory has changed. So that was definitely the uh, the biggest turning point in my life was to stop mass tabling. I'll just out. It turns out if you can win 24 tabling, you're probably going to win a lot more money for tabling. That's when you're actually allowed to focus in and think about what you're doing. Yeah. I'd say I could, re- I could definitely relate with that with Twitch too. It's kind of like one of those things where it's like, Oh, you know, four tabling and twitching versus like one or two tabling. I, I just think it's interesting when you start to really back up and think about that kind of stuff, being present, being focused. I think it's true of anything in life, whether it's multitasking or whatnot, you know, doing something really well, focusing on it. Uh, I think that's interesting. I also just realized I, I posted a story that didn't go through. That's not GTO. I put it up about you. Uh, it's it's going to be just put up now 30 minutes ago. I, I'm going on my Instagram. I'm looking there. And the thing I want to go is find some, do you see any questions you saw in the chat here? I'm going to find them from yesterday. I'm not chat because the chat's going to distract me. And I just want to kind of be present in the moment here during this pod. And I don't want anybody from the chat to get me fired up. because I'm going to get really fired up. And I, I love getting fired up with the chat. Okay. All right. Let me, let me, uh, let me, we'll stay on another question here and then I'll find some on the Instagram from yesterday. There were some pretty interesting ones. There's some okay stuff in on Twitter. Okay. Oh yeah. All right. Let's go to that. Let's just pull that up then on Twitter. Is there anything else you want to kind of touch base on any projects, any upcoming things you're excited about any uh, trips? Are you going to be anywhere for the holidays or are people coming to you? What what are you doing over, over the holidays? I, I, when I, whenever I think about talking about myself, I sort of, um, don't like to do it. So in terms of me, I don't know, man. I'm just going to keep trying to get, give exposure. Like with the Poker High Roller Bowl, I've really tried to increase the exposure for that event on a personal level in which I can in terms of Instagram and Twitter and YouTube. So kind of bringing more exposure to big events that happen in poker, the moments that happen in poker that stand out, whether they're positive and sometimes negative, even though I'm going to try to shy away from negative moments that happen from now on. I am uh, shifting my strategy a little bit in terms of how I talk and handle myself on interviews and in my own videos too. If anybody else out there picked up on how I have slightly pivoted my strategy, because I'm very strategic, I feel like whether it's consciously or subconsciously, 
and that I always have a strategy in some capacity with what I'm doing or very over analytical on, on everything I do. So uh, there's certainly something that I've, I've recently read that I am uh, trying to incorporate more into my videos. And if anyone can identify what these things are, I will give you something that's for sure. So, but yeah, that, those are some big things. I'm just mainly studying a lot right now, Jeff, and trying to uh, figure out how, what I want to do for attacking whatever the hell I'm going to do with my life. Fair enough. I, I like it. What? All right. You got to Let's take a look at some of these questions here. I, this is interesting. Ta- fire with these bad boys. Ta- I'm going to pump them out. Tag team 10K PLO, PLO event. Who do you have on your team? Let's say three people. Nine. Give me Jens Kelly. I don't think he's going to be on my team, but uh, uh, Jeans 89. If I could pick anyone, I'd pick Jeans 89. That dude's a fucking beast. What about two others? You got to go for four man team, let's say. A four man team. Oh my. Well, I mean, I probably would want to pick the best players, but I'm trying to think who final tables all the time. Um, Phil, Man Charter always does well in those things, but I don't know how much PLO tournaments he's really playing. But Phil Galfon probably. What? Phil Galfon, I would imagine. Oh my guy, Phil. I'm sorry. I'm my yeah. God. I feel like I'm just disrespecting. Yeah, yeah. I, got, I couldn't let that one slip through in case he catches a oh highlight. God. Sorry, sorry, Pop. I mean, I don't think Phil's listening right now, but yeah, Phil, 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 Hunter, Phil is on my team for anything I do. No doubt about it. Yes, Phil Galfon, member of my team. Yes. Uh, okay, so let me. This is a cool question. How has PLO changed in the last five years compared to Hold'em? As I actually, I don't think I've ever heard anyone really talk about that because you know PLO. I thought that was one of the best tweets of all time. Sam Grafton talking about poker like in the years, like what it was: three betting, four betting, flatty, and then like crypto, whatever. Like that, that whole deal. Like I don't think I've really, you know, because I'm just not a PLO player. Like how has the game, like has it changed in terms of strategy, aggression, and stuff in the last four or five years? Is that a similar theme where there's constantly oh, yeah. changing? And it's just like the, the best strategies at the top have trickled down a lot. Of ways and now more players at mid stakes and small stakes are using strategies that used to work at 10 20 and 25 50 and that's what the best players were doing in terms of turning more hands into bluffs and in terms of using smaller bet sizes which is a big difference because of the solvers out there and then jay nand is putting out a lot of content that 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 sort of focused on these things so i think the resources for getting better at plo is more abundant right now therefore the strategies you're going to find at smaller stakes have developed a little faster to be a little bit better and tend to be more on the aggressive side and dealing with aggression. Whereas a big, 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 big separator at something like a two, four, three, six on stars compared to 10, 20, 25, 50, five years ago was that the players in at, at the midst, and this was kind of most of the major sites where good players were at too, not even necessarily unique to stars, but the players that were playing mid stakes could not counter aggression in terms of, they didn't know how to deal with the constant three betting. They didn't know how to deal with light four betting. They didn't know how to deal with getting raised on the flop in their continuation bets when they were overseas betting. They, they just, they couldn't accurately identify their own patterns and strategy as well as the higher stakes players could. Cause I remember one of the biggest things for me was that first moving up to 20 by 50 is that I always had a very aggressive strategy at mid stakes. And I would three bet the fuck out of people constantly. And the weaker players, I would just put so much pressure on in all these different situations. And they would be with marginal hands post flop in very uncomfortable situations when I started playing higher stakes, these guys started handling the shit way, way, way better. And they also fought for every single spot. Whereas a lot of players at mid stakes just gave up in simple spots where there wasn't much in the pot. So dealing with those two differences was really huge for me. And, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of those things now have trickled down and more players are doing those things at the smaller stakes. So in terms of how it's changed, it's just strategies have developed and more content's available to get better at the game. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sliding. I'm looking at, uh, Looking through some Instagram, I posted this yesterday. So there's a lot, lot of questions, man. I, I'll say I've done these questions things on Instagram. This is the most I've ever seen. Um, 
I'm trying to see a couple interesting ones. Uh, top five live players today. I think it's kind of a, that's kind of a, uh, I, I guess maybe even just like looking from the tournament, why don't we go to the high roller tournament circuit? I don't know what else we could really even say. I mean, you, you keep an eye on the high roller. Ball. Proper grasp or gauge on who's yeah. good at it's, it's who's hot, right? Who do you see? Who's winning the money? You kind of see up there at the top. It's, yeah, I think that's kind of tough. Um, Someone asked, do you remember PLO Owen? That's my buddy who was obsessed with you. Uh, watches all your stuff, literally. Uh, my buddy, Evan Owen, he played that cash game, but I don't know if you remember him. Do you remember him? Shout out to him. Yes. I yeah, do. Evan Owen. Yeah, he's a special guy. Uh, any other questions? Do you see some Do you see some, some interesting questions? Have you scrolled through the Twitter ones? Um, who's my poker fetish? I kind of like that question. Yeah, go ahead. Drop it in there. So are they saying who is like my poker female fetish? Is that yeah, a question? crush. Yeah. Give us something juicy. Give us, give us a highlight that this can, we can go back to here. Um, I'm trying to find the question and make sure I understood what it specifically was. Who is your poker fetish player? What does that mean? I don't know if it's my poker crush or something like that. Let's go. For, I'll just tee it up. Yeah. Let's, so you don't have to most, just like out, just most, like announce it. Like, yeah. Who's, poker. I've, I've probably uh, dated in some capacity and I don't think a lot of people know about, I keep a lot of my stuff pretty uh, off the radar and the things that I put on the radar are sort of done on purpose in a lot of ways or just because it's kind of fun or it's, it's uh, good for business. But yeah. a lot of the, um, the people I may or may not have dated in some capacity are, are off the radar. So my poker fetish player is definitely going to be a non-American woman who, yes, not a non-American woman for sure. I actually probably shouldn't say it's going to get me in fucking trouble. So let's move on, Jeff. That's a good, it's a good question. That's a good question that won't be answered, but you have a name or two. You just, you'd rather not drop it to the specifics, right? That's, I, it's a little straight, like you're like, it's not like you're unknown too. that would definitely get like, they would be hearing about it in two seconds and then it's kind of weird, you know, maybe it affects your execution later. So I get it. I mean, I'm not too worried about it really. I mean, at the most time I meet, like I sort of meet people organically all the time and then you know, I, things happen, Jeff. I don't know. I get it. Got, I get it. I get it. Uh, is it, it got very dark. The light, I didn't have a light on. Is it, is it awkwardly dark or no? Is it okay? It just seems like you're like setting the mood over there for a little, little. Well, it did, it did come into that question. I was trying to make it comfortable for you, but um, I take, I'm going to turn a light on, scroll through here quickly, Joey, see if there's any one or two more you want to answer on this front. I'm going to turn a light on. You like to play poker live or online. Maxi asks, Maxi, I like to play poker both spots, but I prefer to play on the internet for sure. Uh, Adderall Crusher. I love that name. Do you think they should ban hoodies from all live events now? No. Do you think the U.S. will ever, again, have a regulated poker market? Yes. How many years do I think it'll happen? A very long time from now. Correct. For sure. Okay, so let's touch, touch on that a little more. So that the, um, what do you, what, what is like, do you believe in 10 years is, is U.S. fully legal? Like, I mean, take away Utah or some states that are extreme, but like is poker back in Florida and stuff like California, five years, 10 years? Like, just give me like a real quick, I don't, you know, obviously it's up for debate. What is your personal like inclination, your feeling? I think as Poker Stars continues to grow and gain more of a foothold in America that the chance that legalized poker because Poker Stars pushes the agenda will become more true. And right now, Poker Stars is really making a push into America with sports betting and, and trying to establish a foothold here. And obviously, they're in New Jersey. So I think that as Poker be- Poker Stars becomes more of a global dominant leader, then we will see that happen more. I just think Poker, I love Poker, poker Stars. I think they're fucking geniuses. I really do. They're geniuses at their strategy. They're not necessarily great for the pe- person trying to make a living at poker at cash games, but their strategy as a business and how they leverage their influencers is top notch. Expand on that. What do you mean ex- leverage their influencers? I guess. Yeah. Listen, Jeff. Let me, let me, let me, am I, am I, I getting piped out here, Joey? Am I, do I need, I don't, rep- I don't 
don't think I've broken this down on, on any sort of content yet. Let me let me let me paint this scenario. For you. All right, I'm here. These guys are fucking, I don't know who, whose side is. They're smart as fuck. Okay, here's what they've done, Jeff. All right, they've taken all the loudest voices in poker who aren't willing to put themselves out there in a lot of ways, like a crazy Doug Polk. They've signed those people to be ambassadors who can never say a negative thing publicly about anything they do. These influencers and ambassadors are the top content creators on multiple different platforms, great players in their own rights. They build up hardcore audiences that trust them in whatever they say that are sponsored by stars to push whatever agenda stars wants to push onto the poker community. These are the voices of people who are very good people who you treat with respect and nicely because they are very nice people that do not cause any controversy at all. So when something happens, you don't get bad at Jeff Gross or Kevin Martin or Jason Somerville. Why the fuck would you? The, and these are the people that are constantly pushing this message. They have Lex Bellhouse. They have everyone on this team. Negranu. I mean, it's fucking genius. It's genius what they've done in terms of leveraging the ambassadors and influence they have. Of course, they got rid of those people before. They weren't doing shit for the company, what they wanted to push. They need people that the poker community and poker players and recreational players trust and they have that with the team they have now, it's genius. I cannot applaud them more for the execution of that. Congratulations, whoever the hell came up with this idea, because I hope you got a raise or something like that. So, well, Joey, I, yeah, that's, uh, I've, I know you've, you I, and what do you think about that one, Jeff, right. what are your thoughts on that one, Jeffrey? I'll, As a uh, player, what do you think about that? I, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely supportive of stars. This I think my it, point. exactly. You can't <laughs> say, you can't say anything negative about it. This is my point. They've done things negative. We just act, ah, whatever, who cares? Sure, okay, fuck it. I, I will it. say, I will just whatever. say this. I will say sure. it does seem like, it seems like a pretty serious uh, blunder and maybe even to the to the, to the the player's uh, detriment that like the other competitors, a major two in particular, I feel like they have like almost zero presence on Twitch and in that right. Like if I were, it just seems silly. Um, you know, obviously T Parker Tonka legend. You know, I got a lot of respect for him. He's one of the Twitch greats and just great player. Great guy. I got to, you know, he's sponsored by 888. I mean, party doesn't really have any, Twitch presence, um, which is like, it is sort of like a monopoly, which in a way is necessarily maybe not the best overall for the the industry and even the the people represented because there's just not really a lot of, it just seems like really one-sided, but yeah, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, someone, Ghost of M wanted to say Ray Dalio, book principles. Have you read that or heard of that? It seems like an obscure reference, yeah, but. I have one of Ray Dalio's books, but I, I don't have anything notable if I've taken away from that book though. Okay. Fair, fair right enough. Right now I'm reading books on sex and how to, how to be better in the bedroom and how to, how to put on, how to, how to make sex a more uh, GTO experience for you and your partner, Jeff. That's the main thing I'm studying right now. See, I, I will, that's, that's very interesting. I will say that's one I of like, I really got this book right here. It's called rock her world, the sex guide for the modern man. And this book I have right here is what women want men to know. So we're deep in the relationship. Lab Damn, you're in the lab. Right you are in the lab right now. That's strong. That's definitely, that's, that seems valuable information. Can you share with us anything you've learned from that? That's super interesting. Oh my God. Of course. I mean, listen, give me a couple. Cause that's, that's actually this cool. Is, this, is a, this is a Jeff gross poker podcast, right? This isn't, no, 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 no. I, I actually, Oh fuck. Before I forget, let me just say this. Cause this is actually, I don't let me forget. Cause I want to say my podcast is, this is not Jeff gross poker podcast. This is Jeff gross podcast. I definitely want to, kind of be 
whatever, not like set a formula, but one fourth, maybe 30, 40% poker. Uh, obviously there's so many interesting people in poker. I mean, I've looked at, gone through your list, your Rolodex, you've pretty much interviewed everyone that's you know done or any part of poker in some way, or like you said, you made a lot of friendships. I wanted to ask you, I think you had a prop bet, either it's pending or did happen about getting an NBA player. Is that going on? Wasn't it yeah, like- yeah. Is that so? Is that is it is uh is there a is that something that you've looked because what percent is your your podcast is poker? Is it it's heavily like primarily a hundred percent ninety? What is the actual breakdown? Is it? Yeah, I mean pretty pretty heavily poker, but a lot of lifestyle stuff in my. But like don't stuff. don't don't, don't you think? Know, I don't know how to put a percentage on it. Yeah, fair enough. But like I said, you're not you know for me like I said that that would be ideally I would necessarily not really want to uh, confine that. Like if to me it seems like you've established a great you know, you have a great show, you have a successful show, people love listening to you. Do you think, is that something that, is that something that like, would that be fun to you to break out where you're just like all of a sudden so Joe, like Joey's podcast is like, you're, you're hitting the people in other industries? Uh, I think or? That I would just go away from poker. And I think that to have success in terms of getting people to watch your stuff, you need to be consistent, especially right now when so, you, so much content out there. So you think it might be actually detrimental or kind of like just half, uh, just scattered if you like started doing some of everything? Yeah, I could. I'm just, I, I thought about it a lot. And one of my goals when I first started was to do a mainstream podcast and then have it be one of the top podcasts in the world on iTunes. But I've kind of just decided against that because I knew it would take me away from poker. So yeah, I mean, right now where I stand with things, yeah, I've certainly considered having more mainstream stuff, but I, I'm not something I'm like need to do right now or, or something like that. So. Yeah. I would just say it might be, in, and whatever. Yeah, it's a, that's interesting. I guess I've sort of just started thinking about because I just started. I don't really have a sample size to go off of personally, but I would just think like that would based on your relationships and what you've done. I mean, you've won what you won the how many times you won the GPL uh, or you won several awards. But what was that? You got podcast of the year. Was that last year or how many years did yeah, you? Podcast year. They had that. Lat, they didn't have. They had. Or uh, yeah, I won two years ago. Yeah. I mean, I know. I know my podcast when I'm consistent. It's one of the best podcasts that that someone can do because I'm very locked in in terms of the guests I have on and the topics that I have and the consistency I have and, and sort of the, the general vibe I like to have with the podcast. And I mean, if it's not, whatever it isn't, you know, it is what it is. I think it's, I think it does some good stuff and I learn a lot from it. So I'm sure other people learn a lot from it too. So that's always been my kind of um, thought process in the podcast, but I'm honestly, I'm trying not to worry about that because I've worried about that most of the year and it just stresses me the fuck out. And I start dividing my energy amongst what I want to do. And right now I'm trying to keep it mainly contained on poker and not really think about, okay, I'm going to do this video or that video or this or that or that one sort of thing like that. Fair enough. No, I think it's just really interesting because, again, I'm, I'm just sort of diving into it and just sort of thinking about it. But it makes sense to keep it, you know, congr- and the thing is, there is, there's so many people in poker. You know, you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of world-class players, interesting people. I mean, I, I, I just went through my, my list of people in poker that I've, like, kind of looked at your list of who you've done, friends or people, acquaintances that I know, people that haven't maybe even people heard of or done so much content. There's so many unique, interesting people. So I, you could do it kind of forever with just poker. I mean, obviously, and you've, you've basically done that. So I thought it was interesting to see your take on that. Um, let me, let me, uh, we'll, we'll get back to a few more of these. I, we're getting close to two hours here. I know Joey's very generous with his time saying there's no constraint, but I think that's a good, that's generally a good, uh, benchmark The two hours. Yeah. So we're getting close to that. Why don't you tell us like a tip or, or not a tip, but something you've, you've read in the book, maybe you haven't thought of or interesting or from the stuff I'll you're doing. Give, I'll, give, I'll give the people a little bit of on that, that yeah. is he's still watching right now, which we can debate how many people are going to tune into to this long. But I mean, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of people, what they struggle with mainly in life is, is the people they surround themselves with and the people around them and, and the environment that they create in terms of positive or negative. And that affects their emotional standpoint every single day and allows them to be excited, motivated, inspired, depressed, sad, 
down on your life. And I think a lot of times people fail to have actual productive conversations that stimulate some sort of positive growth with people around them. And they sort of wonder why they're unhappy or why they're not learning new things or all these things like that. So really trying to find uh, one person in your life that you communicate with in a positive way and trying to get rid of the people in your life that complain, that are toxic, that are negative, that only make you feel unhappy when you're around them is one of the things that I, um, you know, I tell people the most is that really try to surround yourself with more positive people. And also if you're trying to become great at what you do, whether that's poker or anything else, if you're not studying consistently and trying to get better at whatever it is that you do on a consistent basis, you are probably not going to do very well. And you have to realize is that most people don't study. Most people are distracted. Most people are lazy. Most people don't have the drive. So if you put in that extra effort into what it is that you do, you will have a huge advantage on most of the people out there around the world who do not have the heart to get after it like some people do. So let me ask you, touch on that. I think it's super interesting. Do you find with studying, like, is that something? Because I'll say for me, in general, it can be just because with the with the content, with the videos, with the you know, it's got to be hard, right? Like for you to sit down or how do you do that? Do you set like, all right, I'm going to study for two hours, PLO, I'm going to review hands. I guess you kind of make it into videos, which is kind of cool. So it's like you're studying plus putting content out. But yeah. like, I find it kind of hard where it's like, all right, you know, shout out. There's all these, there's different programs, I'm not going to promote programs here, but you know, there's, there are, there's some big ones. I, I support one, you support one. There's, there's different various programs you can do for studying. Support them all. Yeah, you know, no, it's great. I think it's cool. But like, do you find it hard to sit there and like, all right, you know what? I know that I could study and maybe increase my knowledge and like do six hours or eight hours or two hours a day. How do you break up studying versus content? Because for me, it's a little overwhelming where I'm like, oh man, like at this point, I've, I've kind of shifted where it's like not necessarily so much about the poker. It's about like the process, the journey, doing the stuff, creating the content, figuring out the the, the next stuff, planning ahead. Like, I just feel like it's a little bit hard to sit down there and, and just dial in and lock in for hours at a time and studying when it's like, kind of like, you're not necessarily getting the immediate results necessarily, like where it's like to push the content right. envelope. Do you, do you feel that ever? We're like, man, I want to study more, but I'm, I'm, I'm like, how do I, I, I got to do I this. I, really, yeah, I, don't, I, I get what you mean. I don't really break it down that standpoint in that I just sort of, while I'm sitting around, a lot of my default is to watch YouTube videos or to read books or to like yesterday, for example, I was going over uh, different ways to, to storytell and then going over different fonts for Photoshop and then going over different ways to edit specific photos, which is something I really like to do with photos and videos for my stuff. So I think for me, it's just each day I try to at least take in some sort of positive knowledge about whatever. And I could be much more concentrated on the things that I'm studying in terms of so spread out. But the things that I spend the time on the most are the things that I like to study the most. So if I spend the most time on podcasting or content, those are the things I'm going to think about the most and study the most. Whenever I listen to podcasts, I'm always taking notes on what they do well or what kind of question they asked. And I'm a huge note taker and writing things down in general. So I think most right now, the main things I'm studying are things that I'm, so I'm studying relate women and sex because those are the things I'm really fired up about right now. I'm trying to be better relationships and I'm trying to have, have the best sex I could possibly have in my life. So those are the things I'm working on studying right now. No, that's sort of Ebony Kenny's. That's like, she, she promotes that. I know she's been on your show a few times. I know on her profile, I see that, like, that's like her big open thing, you know, talking about sex, this and that, like Ebony has been a fun guest. She's also a finalist in the thirst lounge. Uh, do you have any, do you have any, uh, words on that? Like shout out, like, uh, for thirst lounge finalists, just, is there anyone you would like to see based on that? Like the people, oh, yeah. you know, in there, I think Ebony's amazing. I think Ebony and Kelly Meekin definitely need to be in the mix down there for sure. Yeah. Okay. I think those are two. 
awesome people, entertaining. Ebony's one of the most lovable people I've ever met. I've never met someone that I guess people don't like her, I suppose, but I, everyone I've ever seen meet her in person loves her. She is awesome. She is intelligent as fuck. She is, she's probably someone that I would, uh, you know, if differences in our life, we'd probably get married at some point in time. Wait, actually, I don't think she gets married and I don't either. So I don't know, maybe <laughs> something, but no, Ebony is, uh, she's one of the most uh, coolest people I ever met in my life. I love her. How old are you, Joey? Sorry to ask again. I think I know this better. 33 33 big year man 30 yeah i'm 32 it's a it's a strong it's strong we're gonna live we'll probably live forever man you know the simulation i don't want to even ask you about that but i I think do you have any thoughts on that you ever heard that talk or debate do you ever do you have any feelings about that sort of uh the fact that we might be in a simulation it's sort of off topic but just interesting i I mean i think about it is what it is i just embrace it you know i mean the idea of death and you know, maybe, I mean, I don't want to get into it too much right now. Fair enough. Yeah. We're, we're kind of wrapping up for sure. I just didn't know if that was the topic of death. I love the topic of simulations. I love the topic of uh, like, what, what is life and is life different for me and you and for other people? And do we see things differently from other people's perspectives and the idea that nothing matters and the idea that everything matters, all these kind of things. I love these kind of topics like that. So fair enough. That's, that's more what, that was a perfect answer. I didn't want to go down the rabbit hole. I just want to know if you believe in it or think about these things or if it's silly nonsense. So I got, got the answer. Why don't we think of Why don't we take one more question? We're going to wrap it up. Also guys, you have a chance to retweet that the fact that the, we are winding down, but this is going to be uh, recorded. It's on replay. So it's not like this is just over. We are going to let Joey tell us when we'll give a $20. He calls us the retweet coffee King. So what would it, it would be fitting to, let him see what are you talking about i think you said you you tweeted out one time you said you you said just like the retweet coffee king or you maybe you messaged me that in person different names for sure but i mean retweet (laughs) coffee cocaine we could argue very similar kind of things and um yeah i do i think that you're that that white girl man you're that white girl so you would bet you would you you would take a bet you're so you're actually actively taking a stance like you you firmly believe that i've I, i can say i've never tried i've never done that but you believe that is that like a firm belief I you mean, think I'm lying? I, I, I can't say. I, I it, it comes to me on a on a continued basis where I, I like it, it comes in my mind. But if I had to bet either way or not in my life, I would bet 100 yes. And if you haven't, it doesn't matter to me either. People would bet. I've done that too, and I'm into that as well because I'm also animated and fired up and hyped up too. Oh, so, so you've, it, you've you're, you've you're, 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 it's like when people say are you on steroids so, and you're like, yeah, I'm on fucking steroids. Like I hear huge. That's a compliment to me. Thank you. Yeah, you know, same way. Awesome. I take it as a compliment too. I love I love when people say that. I think it's hilarious, but all you good. During, you remember during that show we shot Major Wager, you were on steroids with that chest you had. My God. I was watching back I was watching back an episode the other day. Your chest was fucking absurd. You had the, one of the greatest chests in the history of male chest during that show. I don't know if it's still there it's or not. Still, it's, it's still in the neighborhood. That show, you had the greatest chest ever. I mean, I, I couldn't notice it when I was watching it back. I appreciate that, man. I like how you build me up. Um, all right. So why don't we take one more and then let's wind it down. I see it. You see it. You got to check out Major Wager when we went to the pole dancing place and Antonio and Jeff. And sure, Jeff did a little twerking in there and it's not for everybody, but <laughs> you got to guess though. Yeah, that was fun. That was a good time, man. I hope they, I hope they bring that back. That was, I uh, got to race some cars and do some, do some things. Why don't we take a look here and then I'm going to let you do the, the giveaway. We're going to go ahead and take one of these. We already took the link. We put it in the competition agency. So we will let Joey count it down to end the show here in a sec. But any other last topic, last thing for our podcast. And I definitely hope to have you on again in the future. It's been a lot of fun and have enjoyed it. And I'm glad that to get you on the other side of this equation, uh, it's been, it's definitely been enjoyable and I, I'm sure we'll do it again in the future, but uh, any other last second things? What's that? Can I pick the winner? Pick what? Can I pick the winner for the retweet contest? 
Oh, you want to just like manually pick it? Yeah. Let's do one manual, one button. So I'll let, I'll do an extra 20 here. We'll just do, you get to choose one and then I'm going to hit the button. So we're just in congruency with what we do. But yeah, so you can pick which question I guess you like the best or who gets to win the 20. And then we'll do an extra one just to be, just in case there's, uh, it's kosher. Okay. So who do you like, which question you like the best or what do you want? Who do you want to win? Donkey. Which one is it? Sage donkey. Where's that at? Am I going the right way? Top, bottom? Yeah. Sage donkey. He asked the top question and retweeted it as well too. Where's that at? Um, oh, he said, just realized this is Jeff Irvine Joe. So my question for Joey is what do you think of five card PLO, six card PLO and four card board PLO regarding the skill of these PLO variants and he enjoys playing them and it's good at them. Thank you. Okay. So are you, yeah. Would well, you want to answer that? And then we'll wind it down. And he won 20. Yeah, I, so 20. I, I, I have much experience with five and six card in Omaha. I uh, have not played. I don't think any or most, mostly not much. So I, I can't form a uh, really good thought. I'm sure it's a lot of action, a lot of fun. I would probably enjoy playing them if I could. And four car triple board PLO, I've never played, but that sounds amazing. So the skill level at that, I'm sure there is skill, but I believe it's probably a lower skill cap, but there are probably a lot of edges that I don't necessarily see on the surface until I start playing them. So I would enjoy playing them if I could, but, um, but I have not found a place to play them quite yet. Very eloquently put a good way to finish to wind it down. Let's real quick. Just tell me when we're going to click the button and select a $20 random retweet. So Joey, go ahead and tell me when. Seven, two, one, bam. Someone just won a 20 ball. Joey just giving away $40 right here. No big deal. So this guy is from, uh, oh. he, he got it. Vasily. It sounds, uh, sounds like he's good at poker. This name sounds like he's got an extra 20 to go to the roll. So we'll message him. We're going to wind it down with Joey. Joey, I really do appreciate the time, man. It's been, uh, it's been great. And I hope to see you be back on your show one day and have you back on mine. And uh, 2019, man, let's, uh, let's crush it. Happy holidays to you and your family. And we'll, we'll talk soon, maybe offline, kind of, uh, I don't know the word. We'll, we'll co-share uh, some things. I got some ideas for you. And, you know, I hope we can uh, keep, keep building the poker community, the, the beautiful place that it, that I know it can and will be. So uh, thanks again well, for your time. Thank you. Much love, guys. Take care, everybody out there. Thanks for watching. All right. See you guys. Thanks, Joey. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.